Welcome back to the Daily Thunder Podcast. I'm Ryan Woods. I'm here with Spencer Davis and Brandon Rabar for a draft SZN conversation. It's time, boys. I know we've been looking forward to it. We've been having a lot of conversations amongst ourselves. So let's get after it. Brandon and Spencer, how are you guys doing? Doing great, man. It's draft month. Yeah, this is... If, if you're a rebuilding team, which I guess the Thunder are somewhere in the middle now, I guess we can kind of officially say that, but uh, this is an exciting part of the season if if you're a Thunder fan. Uh, and it may be the last kind of exciting draft for their own picks. There's still going to be some exciting drafts coming up with all those uh, Rockets, Clippers, 76ers, Nuggets, Heat. I could go on and on picks as well. So a little bit of um a little bit of agenda. We are going to we are going to list our top 14 players. So a big board, if you will, each of us. Um uh, we will get those names out there and then we will uh we will begin uh the the lengthy discussion on what Oklahoma City's draft night might look like. We hope it will look like, we hope it won't look like. Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. Um, we are recording this Thursday night. There's about a minute and forty five seconds left in the first quarter of Game One of the finals. So if you hear one of us that's like extremely distracted for a second, we're probably staring at a screen, uh, looking at looking at Game One. So, um, boys, let's get us started. I want to hear the top five from Spencer. I want you to start us off. You can start at one. One through five, and uh, talk about whoever you'd like. All right. Um, all right. Number one, Victor Wembanyama. Uh, number two, Scoot Henderson. Number three, Brandon Miller. Uh, number four, Amen Thompson. And number five, Jairus Walker. Oh, man, there's a bunch of different ways I could go with this. I don't know that it's worth talking about the top three um, for the Thunder's purposes just because it, you know, it doesn't seem like – that's going to be in the cards. Um, you know, that, that it would be shocking if the Thunder were able to trade up into the top three. Um, and I, it, to me, it would be very surprising if either, if that's not the top three, like a men Thompson might be able to get in there, but if any of those top three fall, I would be pretty surprised. Um, so let's talk about Jairus Walker, I guess, to start, um, big guy out of Houston, right? Uh, six foot eight, huge wingspan. I, I think he's a, a great fit next to Chet uh, because he's, he's just so big, right? Like he's a big thick guy that, you know, could guard some, some bigger centers that Chet may have a tough matchup with. He can play, you know, he could be your, your small ball five off the bench. If Chet is getting a rest or if, if he's resting or whatever, or, you know, like not playing that night, whatever. Um, and the defensively, he's just so versatile. Um, offensively, I think he fits what the Thunder want to be in terms of uh, positional size. He's a great passer. Um, he's got some pretty good touch around the rim. You want to see him be a little bit more aggressive, but with how big he is, uh, you know, that's his his big red flag is like, you know, he, he kind of got a bad rap for taking too many floaters at Houston. I think that's going to be something that can be coached out of him. Um so to me, Jairus is uh, is the clear five. I'm curious if you guys have. I, I assume we all have the same top four, or or is that wrong? Uh, that is that, incorrect. That is incorrect. Okay. Wow. Uh, okay. Brandon, let's go to you. 
Yeah. Uh, one, obviously, Wimby. Two, Scoot. I hear all the Brandon Miller noise. I get it, but I still got Scoot. Three, Brandon Miller. Four, I have been high on this dude. Uh, you know, he's been rising up draft boards, but he's been my guy. Taylor Hendricks, five, Jarris Walker. And look, uh, to me, Taylor Hendricks and Jarris Walker are kind of uh, 4A and 4B. Uh, I think they're pretty equal in terms of um, fit with the Thunder uh, impact and those kind of things. So since Spencer talked about Jarris Walker, I will take a moment to talk about my guy, Taylor Hendricks. Um, look, I don't think that Taylor Hendricks is the 4A guy for a lot of these lottery teams. Um, I will readily admit that there's players below him that have a higher ceiling, that have superstar upside, and Taylor Hendricks is probably not that guy. But I feel very safe about Hendricks and Jarris when it comes to their floor and the kind of player and role that they'll have, whether it be with the Thunder or another team. Taylor Hendricks, um, like 6'9 and a half. Um, actually, wish he was going to be like 6'10. Um, shot nearly 40% from three on good volume. Shot nearly 80% from the free throw line. Likes to dunk everything. And he's an elite shot blocker. Like, I love the fit uh, with Chet in the front court. Like, the the idea of Holmgren and Hendricks uh, just swatting everything down low. And then the spacing between Chet and Hendricks, I just think it's a seamless fit. And look, he's not much of a creator or a handler, but he would fit so well with this Thunder team. And I, I think character, all those things, I think Jarris and Hendricks are, are both those guys. And, and I'll talk a little bit more about other guys. And yeah, maybe they have a bigger ceiling and upside. I just don't see a way that Hendricks fails. He's got easily translatable uh, skills. His shooting and his shot blocking, those should translate. His size and his motor, those should translate. So yeah, obviously really big on, on Taylor Hendricks. All right, we've got our. I mean, I, Spencer, you had to know Hendricks was coming fast and and in a hurry. From yeah, I guess from I didn't. I, I I forgot. I I mean, the thing that I forgot about is that Brandon hates Ben Thompson, um, <laughs> which makes sense. Um, I you know I I put him in at four, Ryan. I don't know if you have him in your top five or not. Sounds like maybe not. Um, I I just think that if the Thunder were to take him it would be super exciting because of the athleticism that he would bring. He can, he's got the the height and the length to guard up the lineup a little bit. And I mean, it would just be fun to have somebody like that. That is just an automatic paint touch. Is it a little bit of a logistical nightmare trying to play him with Josh Giddy? Yes. Like that would be, that, that would be a bit of an issue from a spacing perspective, but I think there's a, ch- a pretty good chance um, and a hundred, almost a hundred percent chance if a man Thompson hits a ceiling that he's a better prospect than Josh Giddy, um, which I think we can agree on. Like if a man Thompson hits, he's, he's going to be, a, you know, multi-time all-star, if not world, if not multi-time all-NBA, like he's going to be unbelievable if he hits. Um, so I don't, you know, I, I don't, I don't want to dwell too much on like his fit with Josh because if a man hits, then, that doesn't really matter, right? Um, so that was that's my thought process with having a minute for. Um, 
I have I have a minute in my in my top five. I have them at five. Um, okay. Same top three as you guys. Um, at four, I have uh, I have a men's brother, Asar Thompson, at four. Um, Whoa! Yeah, very much, right. very much a believer uh, in Asar. It's a lot of the same reasons why why a men would be like like you're saying, Spencer. Like, not too worried about the fit if he hits, you know, eighty percent of what he's expected to be. Um, feel the same about both guys, yeah. really, both brothers. Um, I do think Asar. The only reason he's a slot ahead of a man is I. I'm just a little bit more of a believer in Asar's shooting uh, than a men's. Um, he's I mean, I'm it's much not, better, bigger believer in his shooting than a men's. Sorry, go ahead. Sorry. It's it's not um it's not pretty, but in 33 percent, uh, low 60s from the free throw line, not a, like don't love that. Uh, but uh, I think he has the bones of a, a of a workable jump shot and i do not think his brother does but i do think uh amen has skills to offset some of that um he has the athleticism to offset that passing ability he's always going to be uh two feet in the paint um he's a great passer great vision um, i really really like both twins um just like asar a little more uh, because I think there's a little more upside for the jump shot. So those are my top five. Let's go, Brandon. Let's go back to you for um, six through 10. I think this is where it gets a little more interesting because I think from here on, and I think I think from five on, every player here is an option for Oklahoma City uh, via trade-up. So um, let's go, Brandon. Uh, you can go six through 10 as quickly or as slowly as you'd like. Okay. Yeah. So my six is a big shocker. Just like Taylor Hendricks was a shocker. I am incredibly high on my number six, case Wallace number seven. Yeah. I'll, I'll let that settle in. For a second. <laughs> sorry. 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 Uh, I'll, then I'll, I'll go ahead. I wasn't I'm laughing because it's a bad pick. I'm just laughing because, you know, our conversations offline, but continue. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Well, no, it's probably a good kind because there's probably people who are listening to the podcast who are jeering right now as well. So <laughs> I'll go ahead and let that settle in. Okay. Number seven, Cam Whitmore. Number eight, Grady Dick. And finally, just because I have to, uh, number nine, Amin Thompson. And number 10, Asar Thompson. Um, le- let me say why I like Case and Wallace. It's much the same thing with Taylor Hendricks and Jarris Walker. Okay, so... The superstar upside ceiling isn't there as much as it is with the Thompson twins. I get that. Or with Cam Whitmore. I get that. I just, those guys have such big red flags in other areas. I I would be scared to take like the Thompson twins with like the number four pick. If, Why? If, if I'm, because the shooting, the inefficiency, they were 20 year olds playing against like 17 year olds. Uh, back competition and it was still inefficient and we don't know like you know there i just think that there's major risk now the payoff could be huge they could be superstars the athleticism is real but like a man like we saw the video going around twitter today of his shot uh, and I, I read what i thought it was a tweet i thought it was the perfect description because i was trying to figure out i was like 
how would I describe that? And somebody said, it looks like he's shooting a half court heave with every shot. And that's exactly what it looked like, like his shoulder, like his dip. Um, I just don't trust it. And it was bad from the high school line, a high school line against high school competition. I just, I don't know what to expect when they get to the NBA and maybe they hit and maybe I look foolish, uh, but I kept him in my top 10 just to be safe. But like Kaysom Wallace, uh, I know he's going to be a great defender. Uh, his point of attack defense, his hustle, his motor. I think his playmaking is really underrated. I think that his shooting is actually underrated. He's got really nice catch and shoot numbers. His overall, like his free throw numbers, his three point numbers. Like, I just think the only thing that's going against him is that he's six four and shoes. If he was like six 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 seven, like the Thompson twins or Anthony Black, I think that he'd be much more highly thought of. But I, I don't see a way where he fails. Uh, the superstar side isn't there maybe, but I feel like he's safe. Um, so yeah. And, and Grady Dick, I don't know. Honestly, that's maybe a little weird to put him above the Thompson twins, but I know that his shooting and his movement and things like that are going to translate. I believe, um, I'm just risk averse when it comes to the Thompson twins. Cam Whitmore, I don't think he fits great with the thunder because, uh, he's kind of a black hole and he doesn't pass, but he's got a lot of great other things. He's going to be, he should be a really good ISO scorer and, uh, he's got a lot of athleticism. Sorry. That took a while. I, I talked kind of about everybody there. My bad. No, that's fine. I, I want to ask both of you, um, like Kaysen to me, if we're thinking just through the lens of the thunder, it's hard for me to see a path to him starting. And I, yeah. I think there's a clear path for either twin. Yeah, that's my biggest issue with um, with basically taking anyone in this draft under six or six. Is like, and other than somebody like Scoot, you know, what is the path to them starting? Like, even if, like, okay, maybe Casey Wallace ends up better than Ludor. Well, the Thunder is still going to need a power forward at some point. Like, Jalen Williams is not the long term planet power forward so you're still like Kaysen would still not be a starter um but yeah that i so i agree i i, I would agree with that uh with that point I, I mean i mean i agree with that but do you all think that either the thompson twins will be a starting power forward no but like i said the, if a thompson twin hits then like maybe we're talking about josh giddy on the bench or maybe you're talking or two two three four years down the line maybe you're trading josh giddy and you know but to be honest, like maybe I I would be all right with uh, you know running one of the Thompson twins out as a as a starting wing, and you know I mean they've got the length and the wingspan they they could uh, if Jalen Williams can do it, who also has great length, um, but not as much you know hyper athleticism, then I don't see why one of the Thompson twins couldn't do it. The other thing I worry about with the Thompson twins, and again it goes back to the shooting is if Giddy's going to get big minutes, which he obviously is, and if Dort's going to get big minutes, and then you're playing, you know, like a man, uh, all of a sudden, like three of your top six guys are non-shooters. Uh, I mean, hopefully Giddy becomes, you know, he's a, he improved a lot year two. Dort is obviously up and down. Um, but I mean, like half of your your starters are, are non-shooters. Yeah, it's not, it's not clean. Right. And, and yeah. then again, no, you still got the power point. forward issue and this guard issue. So for me, at least, like Kaysen, 
he's a great defender and he's a great shooter. He doesn't have the size, but he does have a six nine wingspan. Um, so I see a, a role, and I, I just think that he'll hit. Like at this point, I want guys. I, I know he would have like he could be like a great six man or lead, you know, the bench, and he can close because he's a two way player. That's that's just kind of the way I'm looking at it with him. Um, all right, Spencer, let's go six to ten. All right, six. I have Cam Whitmore. Seven. I have Grady Dick. Eight. I have Asar Thompson. Nine. I have Taylor Hendricks. And ten. I have Leonard Miller. Ooh, wow, nice. um, Leonard Miller. I like that Leonard so Miller. Quite a few thundery names in there. Um, I, I kind of want to talk about Grady though at first. Can, like I agree with what Brandon said about Ken Whitmore. He's not a Thunder guy at all. The Thunder are not going to take him. But if for some reason they do, I would be very excited about it because the upside is high. And if this front office thinks that he can fit, then that's, that is a super exciting proposition to me. I don't yeah. think that's going to happen. So, um, But I had Grady Dick at seven ahead of Taylor Hendricks and Asar Thompson. I, I think, to be honest, I think people are, are missing on something on him. I mean, he's, he seems like he checks – just about every Thunder box, um, you know, pretty good length, pretty good size for, you know, probably more of a three, but could grow into a four maybe. I mean, he, he's six foot eight. He's a big guy. Um, maybe one of the two best shooters in this draft, probably alongside uh, Jordan Hawkins, can shoot off movement, can shoot off the dribble, um, can just catch and shoot, can attack a closeout and get a jumper off, can is a really good at, at – cutting which is super crucial in oklahoma city's offense he's a good athlete um you know was a, a good vertical athlete at kansas from at least an average one um and he's a really good passer like he does not have the on ball stuff where he's going to be able to dissect an offense and like make multiple reads but he can pass all right like he he will make the extra pass he'll find some he'll find somebody cutting um he can do the cutting himself he, he's i think he would be an awesome fit and if we're talking about which I think we're going to later trade up targets. Like he has become the guy for me. If the trade is like up to eight or, you know, maybe even he may even be there at 10, if you get a deal done with Dallas, but like, you know, I would say Jairus is my number one target at five, but anywhere after that, um, I, I Grady's my guy. Um, Asar Thompson at eight. We've talked about him a lot. Uh, we talked about the Thompson twins. I agree with pretty much everything that's been said. I, I have him lower than a man because he doesn't have as you know as I don't think he has as much like point guard upside or as uh, I don't know if point guard is the the right word, especially with the Thunder because he wouldn't be the like nominal point guard. But I don't know that he has as much um, as many of those skills um, at or at as high of a level as his brother does. So even though the shooting is a little bit projects to be a little bit better um, or is in a better spot right now, um, I have a man higher. Taylor Hendricks at nine. Ryan, I'm curious where you have him because Brandon obviously is, is going to be the high man on him. Um, I have I mean, him at nine just because – I'm sorry? Well, I was just going to say I have him at eight. You have an eight? Okay. Uh, so we're pretty close on on Taylor Hendrickson. He he fits really well. He's almost like, you know, a Serge Ibaka that can shoot – that can, like, make threes, which is kind of a fun thing to think about in terms of, like, somebody who can block shots, play the four – pretty versatile um and so when you put it that way it's like well he should probably be higher than nine then but with the way the thunder play you know he doesn't have really any passing or dribbling in his game right now and you know we'll, we'll see I, he's also not as clean of a fit i don't think in the front court defensively with chet just because he you know he's not really going to be 
somebody who's like guarding Joel Embiid, right? Which is something that Jairus Walker, you could at least throw Jairus as a body out there. Um, if, if that's a matchup you don't like Chet with, I'm not saying it is, but you know, just as an example, um, I don't think that he is as, is as interchangeable with, with Chet in certain matchups as Jairus would be. Um, and then Leonard Miller, Leonard Miller at 10 is just a guy that has been really interesting throughout the last few weeks. We talked about him in the last podcast. He's on a huge, you know, upward trajectory in terms of his development, super high motor, another guy that would just be awesome um, to, to pair next to Chet. I do think he has a little bit more small ball five potential, um, you know, in his game eventually just with his motor and his rebounding. And I, I it sounds from everything, from all the Intel that we hear, like not, you know, that has been reported, like he's a super quick learner and is, is, you know, very coachable. And I, I think that is something that, um, you know, to go along with the physical skill set, I think he could be an impact player pretty quickly. I love that you have Miller that high, to be honest. Um, Brandon, did Miller make your list? Oh yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm really, really big on Leonard Miller. I, he's actually my next, he's, he's number 11 for me. Okay. Um, yeah. All right. Six through 10. Um, I have Jarris at six, Grady at seven, was kind of fist pumping over here during Spencer's uh talk on Grady. I I I've heard he's not a Thunder guy, and I just don't I don't know why. I don't understand yeah. what he doesn't do. Um like maybe he doesn't pressure the rim. Um, but I think that's fine because I, I think like like I said, his passing, his cutting, um and God, he's going to be maybe the best play finisher on the team as far as volume shooting and, and the types of three point looks he can get. It's, I mean, he it's, do you want a six, eight Isaiah Joe on the team? It was like, <laughs> can, maybe can it I, was like probably an even better shooter than Isaiah Joe. Yeah. Can I, can I interest you in, in the best range shooter in the last couple classes? I would say is, um, speaking of like Moses Moody was touted, um, my guy, Corey Kispert. Um, who was like the marksman last last year? From mid range? Uh, no, just from three. Oh, from three. I'm trying to think um, of like last year's draft. Like I just mentioned two shooters from the twenty one class. I'm trying to. I'm blanking on like the. I'm pulling up the draft here. Uh, oh well, Jabari. Um, yeah, Jabari was the guy for sure. Keegan Murray is a great shooter. Um, those were really the two though. At least in the lottery. Yeah, and those like ben, were like, ben Matherin's been all right. Yeah. But but going into the draft. AJ Griffin. AJ going, Griffin's that's one. that's probably who AJ it was. Griffin. There we go. Yeah. AJ Griffin. That was the guy. But I, I think of those names, let's go with Griffin, Kispert, Moody. I think we're talking about and I, I would throw Trey Murphy in there as well. I would throw um I would put Grady at the top of that list as far as shooters, just, just standing there shooting. Um, I think we're talking about like impeccable near flawless um, mechanics and great high release. It's It's so fast. Um, it seems like he can speed it up when necessary. I'm a huge fan of Grady and I, I would love, love, love that trade up. Um, seven the, the, for me was Grady eight. Hendricks nine, Cam Whitmore and ten. I have Anthony Black. 
Yeah. Okay. I'm surprised that that's the only uh, Anthony Black in the top ten so far. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean he's he's he made my lottery um, barely, yeah, mine but too. he did. Um, mine too. He had but he's rough, kinda... I mean, if we were doing this podcast a month ago before the combine, he would have been, you know, probably seven or eight for me. I, I'm the wingspan with him is he? I, I forget what exactly what it was. I think it was around was it around like six eight. Um, I'm just not a buyer in in what his measurements are, considering you know, what type of an athlete he appears to be and the struggles that he has shooting the ball. You know, if he'd come out with a seven foot wingspan, it's like, okay, he's probably going to be able to get to the rim. Like he's a smart player. Spacing in Arkansas was bad, et cetera. Um, I'm not really buying that with, with where his measurements are um, at least right now, but he is a really good player. I bet he's higher than, you know, he's probably in the Thunder's top 10 because of how, you know, high his processing speed is and that kind of thing. And he went to Arkansas. Oh, yeah, he- yeah. Yeah. He, yeah, exactly. Uh, no, for, I'm sure the Thunder love him. And for, there's a lot of reasons for that. He's a very good defender. Um, like you said, he processes the game, feel for the game, one of the highest in this draft class, if not the highest. Uh, so lots of reasons to like him. But, you know, he's, he's the fit, even though he fits all the things the Thunder typically like, I don't know that his fit with the roster is currently constructed is totally clean because there'd be a lot of redundancy. Exactly. And, uh, of course you run into the, the shooting issue, of course. And then, yeah, his wingspan was six, seven and a half, which I think probably surprised some people. And so you can't really play him at the power four position. So again, you run into these issues. Uh, you know, he's a jumbo size for a point guard, but whereas maybe if he had like a six ten wingspan, you could, you know, have that versatility. I don't think it's there as much. So very good I mean, he, player. I just don't, I don't know how clean the fit is. He has a, a shorter wingspan than case and Wallace by a full inch, two inches, something like, I mean, yeah, which is case and Wallace is case. And Wallace is several inches shorter than Anthony black too. Um, right. So I, I, we should probably say like, I think a lot of the measurement, um, like when we talk about measure, measurements for these guys, like as Thunder fans, we are that, that is ingrained. Like this is something they're looking for. Certain teams might not have as big of an issue right. with the wingspan as others. Um, and for Oklahoma City, it's a need because they're going to have to play other positions. Like that, the the position that he comes into most naturally is kind of already taken. Uh, by a couple guys on this team, yeah. so the that that wingspan uh, discussion is super thunder uh, specific, and it's important. Um, but a team, let's say, like Washington at eight, right? They're um, going to take him if they don't like, trade out. That is a really nice fit. Like they're not, yeah, they yeah. don't need him to go play up, uh, like an up a position or guard up multiple positions because of who they already have. Like he is such a great fit for, for them as, as a long-term one. If, if this was, a, oh, if this was a, a jazz or, yeah, or a wizards or a jazz podcast, he would, you know, he'd be sixth or seventh on my board probably. Yes. Oh yeah. I, I agree. Absolutely. Yeah. So we're, we've, we've kind of, we're making kind of thunder centric boards by the way. Uh, so Yeah. 
I think that Anthony Black is such a good fit for the Wizards. That's my one worry about the Thunder trying to trade up with the Wizards. Because I think with this new, you know, GM and the Thunder ties, I don't, you know, I don't think that matters so much. But I do think that they would love to add some some assets to to their war chest. Well, they don't have a war chest. It's an empty war chest right now. So they'd love to add assets. And I think they could drop from 8 to 12 and easily pick up uh, a point guard or a combo guard that they would really like. But I'm worried that they might like Anthony Black so much at 8 that they won't be willing to drop down. Um, all right, let's go to um, anybody else in that. I think we've talked about everyone in that range. I had Whitmore at nine Hendricks at Hendricks at 10. Um, yeah. So we've talked about everyone so far. We hadn't talked about black yet. So let's go to 11, uh, 11 through 14. Let's go Spencer. All right. This is where uh, we lose the plot a little bit. I think at least for me, um, I've got a uh, Bilal Kulabali at 11. Nice. Case <laughs> uh, Wallace at 12. Uh, uh, Derek Lively at 13 and Anthony Black at 14 to round up the lottery. Um, and I think if you made me pick a 15th, it would probably be Jordan Hawkins. Um, just to, you know, do it, do it in fives. But yeah, I mean, Kulabali at 11. I'm curious. I know he's in Brandon's lottery here. Um, and so he'll want to talk about him too. I don't know about Ryan. He's kind of, I don't know that he's a mystery man because he's teammates with Victor Womanyama. So they're, I think teams actually do know quite a bit about him and have been scouting him. Um, but he's listed somewhere between six, seven, six, eight with a seven foot two, seven foot three wingspan. Uh, we don't know exactly because he wasn't at the combine because their season is still going on. Um, but that has been, those are the measurements that have been kind of vaguely reported over the last few months. And he's just, a, you know, he's a really interesting athlete. He, I, I think he's one of those guys that kind of grew up as a point guard and then um, had a big growth spurt. And so now he's a forward, which kind of sounds like he's, you know, made in the lab to be a Thunder player. Um, and, you know, the shooting, I think you can buy it to a reasonable degree, at least early on. We'll see. Um, but he, he kind of checks every box, especially if he's, if he's actually 6'8", which – Full disclosure, he does not look 6'8 to me. Um, <laughs> but he's also playing with a guy who's 7'5. So, yep. you know, that right. may be distorting the, uh, you know, it may be a bit distorting to try to figure out how tall these other dudes are because we've never seen someone like Victor. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I have him at 11. And, and like I said, this is kind of where it drops off for me in terms, like, I think there's a, a pretty big tier break here. Um, but he is just, he's somebody that's exciting. And if the Thunder want to buy in, um, I, I would be pretty excited to get him into summer league and, and see what he looks like. Brandon, where do you have Bilal? I have him at 13. Um, I do too. Yeah. I, I, say what? I do too. 13. Oh, we all have him in the lottery. Nice. Uh, we're, we're, it seems like he's really picking up steam, like right now, currently, like over the past few days. And some of that, of course, is because uh, they're in the playoffs right now. They're up 2-0 on last year's champs. Uh, so he's getting some – and he led the team in points uh, yesterday in their in their game two win. Look, I, I, I'll echo everything that uh, Spencer said. Uh, he's exciting. I've liked him for a while, and, and he's rising up boards now. He supposedly uh, 
as a promise to go in the lottery before 14. That really sounds like it's either the Thunder or the Raptors at 12 and 13. He fits exactly what both teams like. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if if either or both of those front offices like Bilal. He's um, he's an exciting player, but I think the floor. My thing with Bilal. His upside is huge because of those measurements and because of the skill set he already shows and his age, and he's doing it in a grown man's league. But I think what's underrated is his floor. Like he's already playing really well, again, in a good league against grown men. I think his shooting, you know, if you look him up, I think a lot of people just automatically go to Tankathon for their stats. Uh, well, that's only taken like one of the leagues he's played in, uh, their stats, and it's, it's the lowest he has. Like, if you look at, like, all his combined stats, like his under-21, his current league, his previous league, and all those things, he's played in several um, internationally. Uh, he's around, like, a 34% three-point shooter and right around, like, a 75% free-throw shooter. So I think his floor is higher than than what people think as well. Like, I don't think he's this raw project. I mean, he may – like, he's got a lot of untapped potential, and he can be a lot better – and that's why the upside is signed. But I think that he kind of gets lumped into because he's a young international player, you know, the, the raw projects like the Poku. And, and I don't think he's that. I agree. Yeah. I don't think he's quite that raw. Um, it's it's going to be interesting to see if they, you know, if they do want to invest, you know, cause he is, I, I would put him, you know, pretty similar to Jang in terms of, you know, how raw I'm expecting him to be. Um, it's possible Jang's more raw. Um, but yeah, and look, the wing again, the wingspan is such a huge part of this. Like there's a reason why Jalen Williams was so good finishing last year. Cause he has like a plus nine wingspan, which is apparently what the Kulabali does. Um, right as well. So I'm yeah. Big buyer in the wingspan, big buyer in just like the overall talent feel, um, passing at like the shooting is, is crazy right now. Cause like his, in his regular, like, like Brandon said, in Europe, they play in, like, multiple leagues, and it's confusing. Um, but, like, I'm just looking at his main French league right now. Um, he has made 45% from three this year and 59% from the foul line. Both of those on extremely small sample sizes. So who the heck knows, right? Like, well, but, you know, it, it, the shot looks good. We can say that. Um, and so, you know, it's probably not going to be too bad. Get him in here with Chip England. So, yeah, will be exciting. Will you, read, will you read those numbers again? Forty-five percent from three, fifty-nine percent from the line. A love letter to Kenrich Williams. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, by and by the way, this is on one point one three-point attempts and one point four free-throw attempts per game. So we're, we're talking about a small sample here. He only played at least in this league. I don't know about his others. Um, you know, he only plays eighteen minutes a game, which is not uncommon for super young guys in, in Europe. So yeah, he's only, even he's if only even. Go ahead, okay, Brandon. Sorry. Oh, I was just going to say, even the younger guys, just to piggyback on that, even if they're better than the vets, the, the international leagues always give the vets more minutes. I mean, like, in a very rare cases, they don't. And he's been picking up more and more minutes as it goes by, and the games mean more. So, obviously, you know, they believe he's one of their best players because they're putting the trust in him now. He's only four months older than than Gigi Jackson. Like he's he will still be eighteen. Wow. He'll still be eighteen years old at the draft. Um, That's crazy. So he's um, yeah. I'm I'm a big fan. I have, I have him at thirteen. 
Uh, I was going to see if, sorry, never mind. I was going to see if it, uh, if basketball reference would cooperate, I was going to try to read his last six games because he's had six really good games here in a row um, from three. Um, actually, a few more than that, but I can't get it to load, so never mind. Uh, he's been he's been good, though, of late is the point. I mean, this, this dude is so young um, that, like, he could play with the Thompson Twins in their league. <laughs> Play against them, you mean? Yeah, play against them. Play, play against yeah, the Thomas yeah. and Twins. And he'd he'd actually be one of the older players that they're playing against. But I digress. Um, um, other guys from my list, um, like is Derek Lively on y'all's list? Should we just talk about him now? No. Yeah, like uh, he's yes. Okay, he's yeah. I mean, he's an interesting guy. Um, I don't know that there's a path to him starting because I think Chet the, Chet's the five, but he. You know, if if all these, you know, interesting shooters are off the board, um, and you you believe in Derek Lively developing an offensive game, he is a heck of a defensive prospect, and would be, you know, a really fun pairing. Kind of, you know, I, I don't know who his comp is necessarily. I get, I've seen people say Gobert. I don't know that I'd go that far. Like that guy won multiple defensive players of the year. Um, but if he's, you know. I, th- I think he would be an interesting fit next to Chet in certain situations. You could probably argue that like a backup five or even like a five with Chet at the four is not worth a lottery pick. And I would sympathize with that. Um, but like I said, to me, this draft falls off after um, around nine or 10. I, I get less excited about it for the Thunder. Um, Spencer, if Oklahoma City can't trade up, they stay at 12 and like the shooters are not there. Um, like the draft kind of goes how we think it's going to go. Yeah. And well, I'll just ask you like this, is it more likely for the thunder to take Leonard Miller at 12 or to trade out of 12? Um, I think take Leonard Miller. Okay. I don't think they're, I don't, I don't think they're going to trade back. If they do, I'm not going to, kill them for it. Um, especially if they get a good deal. Um, and they may be able to trade back and take Leonard Miller anyway. Yes. Um, it's possible, but to be, I, I, I don't think they would do that because I, I think they're going to go in, you know, Presti likes to, to get his guys, um, and, you know, is willing to overpay or, you know, or, or take somebody that is not, you know, a consensus pick at that spot. For sure. Um, and so, it, and I think Leonard Miller, you know, from a personality standpoint, everything that we know or have heard um, checks every box. He's, I mean, like uh, shooting aside, if you were going to design a four in a lab to play next to Chet, like this guy's huge. He has a huge yep. wingspan. He has an unbelievable motor. He has yep. proved this against pros over the last couple of years. He, by the way, he also has some guard skills from when he was younger growing up in Canada that he did not show with the Ignite. But if you go look at his, you know, prep tape, I guess, from when he was playing in Canada or in various other places, he he can handle the ball a little bit, especially for a guy his size, 6'10", 6'11". And the rebounding rate is is just crazy. He's one, probably the second-best rebounder in this class behind Victor, um, yep. which is a concern not only with the Thunder, but um, – you know, I think Chet and Chet also had a great rebounding rate. I'm not worried about Chet as a rebounder, but he can't be the like I don't want Josh Giddy to be the second best rebounder on this team. 
right? Like I, I that you, you no longer have elite positional size if that's if that's the case. Like that cannot be a a, a core tenant at least long term. Next, I don't care about next year, but you know, two years from now and beyond, like you need to have you need to have a, if you're going to be a serious team, like you need to have positional size at the four. And I think that they know that, and I I think Leonard Miller would would check that box, and I think they would just be happy to take him at 12 if that's their guy and i didn't mean to take you off of Derek lively um but would you would you have the same answer for Derek lively at 12 like they would just take him there um only yeah yes only because again just like philosophically like the thunder don't trade back very often right i mean they traded back i guess when they got basely that's the only Um, time i can think of but like that was two picks in the mid twenties. They did trade out of sixteen. Um, well, the, uh, yeah, but that that was different. They had three picks in that draft, and plus a couple of seconds. And they, the Rockets gave them a great deal. Uh, right? Should they right. have taken it? No, they should have taken Trey Murphy. But it is what it is. Uh, it does. It does remind me though. Like, it reminds me of that draft. That's kind of want to bring it up. Like, like everyone expected a big that night and there was quite a few to be had and with you know with one of the three picks and they and they they traded out of of a spot when when others probably thought they might take a guy like that's that. true that's true but like the bigs in that class I, I other than shangun who doesn't really fit with what the thunder want to do like none of those guys have been good right i mean what what usman garuba um who are the other yeah. bigs in that class? Kai that Jones. Like Kai Jones, Kai Jones already, has done nothing. He'd already, he'd already gone. Isaiah, Isaiah Jackson, we talked about a lot. David Sharp. Gone. Um, I mean, they end up getting Jeremiah Robinson Earl at 32. Mm-hmm. Um, which has been fine, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> you know, I mean, I don't know that I think he's on the roster bubble going into next year, but that's partially because they got a second round big in the next draft that looks like he's better. Yeah. Um, so I would no, I don't I mean I guess they could trade out, but like what are you getting? Like unless you're maybe if you're doing a deal with uh, like Miami or Philly somehow and like you're just removing protections or they're adding another pick onto like but like I you know Ew, I don't, gross. I, no. I don't care about like if you know who who's the team that could want the twelfth pick. Um I don't like Sacramento. Like I don't like what is Sacramento going to give me to, you know, trade out of 12? Um, or even if like the thunder, how they did last year, you know, the Knicks had a reason to trade out of 11 because it allowed them to, you know, in a convoluted way, they were able to clear cap space and they ended up signing Jalen Bronson. The thunder have no like second shoe to drop in that scenario. So I don't see how the team could make it worth it unless they just like overwhelm, like they do what the Rockets did a few years ago. And they're like, here's multiple future firsts. Yeah, and uh, I'm I'm even thinking like just the Thunder don't have as high of a grade on Lively or Miller to take him at twelve, but might at sixteen or seventeen and picking up another asset. Which I would be like if they traded from twelve to seventeen and took Lively and they got a future first, like that's a B draft to me. Like I, mm-hmm. that would be fine. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, th- um, I think that's a that's a great result. I think. I'll go. I'll go eleven through uh, fourteen. I have eleven. Uh, Jordan Hawkins, um, feed me the shooting. He, I think he's going to be a guy that 
um, is just a, a menace to to plan for and will do a lot to a defense, even if the shot isn't going in. Um, a great mover, a great cutter. Uh, really reminds me of of Clay. Uh, great, great shooter, and and I think he would he would help this team a lot. Uh, Casein at twelve, we've talked about. Um, Bilal at thirteen, and then I had Leonard Miller at fourteen. First one, like wanted to wanted to get him ahead of of uh leonard miller 14 but just couldn't and that's that's kobe buffkin yeah i have kobe buffkin on mine as well i had a mine 11 was was leonard miller 12 anthony black 13 Bilal kulabali and 14 kobe buffkin uh and then my 15 was Derek lively and he's kind of on the same tier as those other few guys um yeah so uh i i did you want to talk about one of those guys, Ryan? Well, I uh, I wanted to talk about Hawkins for a second. It sounds like I'm the only one in, with him in the top 14. I have him like just outside the top 10. Um, he, he was my 16. He was right after Derek Lively. Yeah, okay. I, I have him at 15. So we're I think we're in a similar tier. Um, my only concern, I, I guess I have two concerns and they both might look trivial because he's such a good shooter uh, and he's going to be so useful running around like he does. Number one is that Isaiah Joe exists. Um, right. And it's like, you know, we kind of already had Jordan Hawkins at home. So like, yeah. You know, yeah. like, but the, you the, rest, of like Isaiah meme, Joe, go the rest of that meme is that what's at home is never like, yeah, mom says we have McDonald's at home. We don't. We just don't. Um, and here's the thing. If we have McDonald's at home, there's nothing wrong with taking more McDonald's back to the house. Um, like, this is this is the skill that is uh, that is that has dominated this postseason, yeah. this entire season. Um, yeah. And I, I just saying, like, well, we don't need a shooter. We already have one. Um, is uh, it just feels like a like a legitimate contender in baseball being like we don't need a starting pitcher we have one. Well, like, let, let me go let ahead. me clarify because you're absolutely right. Like this team does need more shooters, but I don't know that they need like more skinny six foot four shooting guard shooters, right? Like that's why I'm so high on Grady Dick. Yeah, because I I think they do need more shooters, but like in terms of like, are you really going to play Hawkins and Joe together in the playoffs? Probably like one or both of those guys is going to get hunted on defense. Um, now you may score so much that it doesn't matter if both guys are having a hot night or even one of them, um, which is again, like in, to your point, like shooting is, is King right now and probably will be for a very long time. So I do have him at 15. Um, the other issue that I would raise is just, yeah, I mean, he's, he's pretty small. He's pretty lean, um, pretty skinny who knows how he's going to hold up. Like it kind of, it took Isaiah Joe who had some pedigree coming out of high school and even coming out of Arkansas uh, as a shooter. It took him a few years in the NBA to kind of establish himself. And I think Hawkins is better than Isaiah Joe. Don't get me wrong. But you know, if you've got one of them for free or for the cost of a roster spot and like a minimum contract, do you spend a lottery pick on a guy, even if he's like 25% better than the version that you already have? Would be my question. Even if he is better, like 
I just, I just How don't, do and I, I'm, I'm not saying, I'm not trying to reduce what you're saying down to this, but I just don't think they're going to make lottery considerations based on Isaiah Joe. Totally um, fair. For, for yeah. a lot of the con, for a lot of the reasons you just said, like they just grabbed him for nothing and he's, he's so cheap right now. And, um, and there's just, there's always a need for more. This team, like, gosh, what I would give for this team's problem to be like, well, we just kind of have too many shooters. Um, we have too many guys and we can't get them all on the floor. We're watching a game right now with uh, Caleb Martin, Gabe Vincent, Duncan Robinson, Max Struess, not a huge fan of literally one of those guys. And they are playing in the finals and three of them are on the court right now. So like, I just, I think those guys are as much as I, to- I, I totally agree that there are scenarios where I'm like, does it work to, put them out there together and teams have just said, screw it. And we're, we're going to do it. And we're going to trust our back line. We're going to play zone. We're going to, uh, we're going to teach, you know, within the construct, how to defend, how to keep those guys on the floor. I think it's possible the more and more teams put out more and more of those guys kind of becomes a Spider-Man meme of looking across the, uh, looking across the way and just staring at other guys that look just like him um, just need more of them. And uh, so that's just if in a, in a list uh, that I'm making thinking about the thunder, definitely have Grady a few spots ahead. Um, But I, I just can't see Orlando at 11, not coming away with one of those two players. If they haven't already taken Grady at six, um, yeah. I can't foresee them not taking it, taking one of those guys at 11. And if Grady's yeah, already gone, to. if Grady's already gone by 11, um, I, I think Hawkins would be taken at 11 for, for, for that reason specifically. Yeah. I would you know where Hawkins that. is also a great fit like if, if the thunder, uh, did trade up to five, so they swap five to 12, like Hawkins at Detroit. Like the twelfth pick, yeah. that would be. I mean, that's yeah. perfect. Like that to me is like the one of the main reasons why Detroit would be willing to do that is because Hawkins is just be so ideal for for what to add to their core. Agreed. Um, yeah. Now you you kind of you've kind of talked me into it. I'm not gonna lie. The the uh, you know he's not that much smaller than Caleb Martin. Um, so now that does require Chet being as good defensively as, as Bam at a bio, which is possible eventually, I guess. Um, yeah. but like Bam yeah. is the reason why they can get away with having three dudes on the court who are like six, five or less. And you can push back and say they had a negative point differential all season. Like that's fair too. Yeah. Um, yeah. and, but I, I Tyler six, hero, another one that's not even playing tonight. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Six, six, five, 200 pounds. Um, he is a little older. The more we go along in these drafts and the guys they've taken, I'm not necessarily concerned, especially for someone that you might consider more of a specialist. I think he's got more to him, but probably would consider him more of a specialist uh, compared to other guys. Like I'm not like super concerned that he's 21. Um, is no. when talking about when talking about someone of his skill set, um, really really like Jordan Hawkins. And I think he would, I think he's going to like wreak havoc no matter where he goes, just cause he's going to pull so much attention uh, his way, you know, no matter where he goes. So 
Very, very, very pumped for Jordan Hawkins. I would love to see them. If, if we stay at 12, that'd be the guy. Interesting. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be mad at it. I Brandon, think somebody else. Go ahead, Brandon. Oh, I was just like, if I could choose one other guy to talk about that we haven't really hit on you mentioned him and I mentioned him because he's on both of our lists. Uh, but I think he's a very viable pick for the thunder at 12 is Kobe Bufkin. Um, the thing that's great about Kobe Bufkin is he really doesn't have any weaknesses. He can shoot, he can handle, he can pass. Um, the only thing he's really elite at is finishing at the rim, but his finishing at the rim is ridiculous. Uh, he's got solid measurements. He's a good defender. Like he's one of those guys, like I've kind of defaulted to all my top ranked guys for like two way players. Like, you know, in the playoffs, I want players that can play offense and defense that won't get off the floor because they're weak in one of the areas. Um, and there's still some upside with Buffkin, I think, too. Um, not only is he kind of a jack of all trades, but that finishing, and I think I, I really do buy the jump shot. Um, I don't know. I, I just think that if the Thunder were to pick Buffkin at 12, he's not as sexy as some of the other names and he's not as clean a fit because he's not a power forward. Uh, but like in a sixth man role or closing with the starters over say Dort, um, I, I do like Buffkin quite a bit. Spencer, guess I'll give the, he, he's under, he, he falls underneath your six foot six limbo. Yeah. Stick. So where, how are you feeling for? I'm, I mean, for I, you know, I didn't stick to that exactly because like Cason Wallace and Jordan Hawkins are both in my top 15. Um, but I guess those are the only two guys other than the scoot. Um, yeah, I'm not the biggest, I'm probably lower on, I'm probably the lowest guy here on Buffkin. Um, I definitely am because you guys have him in your lottery. He's just, I don't like, I don't, what am I, I don't understand what I'm supposed to get so excited about. Like, with Anthony Black, you know, adding another point guard with Anthony, with Anthony Black, you've got the passing, the game processing, the defense. With Kaysen, like the mid, it's the mid range scoring, you know, the, the potential offensive upside there. Um, it's in the wingspan, the defense, like I, I can kind of get there. I, I don't know what like makes Buffkin a great NBA player. Um, I agree, like six man, yeah, that seems about right. For the Thunder at 12, I, you know, like he would probably make my top 20, um, but I, he's not somebody that I'm excited about. Um, yeah. when he shot 35.5% from three, he shot 85% from the free throw line. Uh, yeah. and he's a good and like defender. He was, I don't know. I just think that he, he does a lot of things. And he's six, five with a six, eight wingspan. So it's not, it's not like he's small. No, no, he's not small. And he, yeah, like he's, he's a perfectly average guard. Um, and it's probably going to be like a pretty good NBA player, but I just, I like it. I don't know what it is. I, I just, I can't get excited about this guy. I don't see the burst. I don't see like how <laughs> he separates himself. You know, uh, he was on a Michigan team. Like he was the best player for Michigan this year on a team with another first round pick and a guy who's like one of the top eight or nine centers in the country. And they didn't make the, they didn't make the tournament. Like, and that's not his fault. That was, it was probably Juwan Howard's fault and Jet Howard's fault. But, like, that team had so much talent. And he was, like, you know, a sophomore guard. Like, 
I'm not going to say the engine because they ran a lot of that offense through Jed Howard uh, to their demise. But like at a certain point, you got to make the tournament. You know, I like that's a, kind of a red flag that I don't think he's getting enough um, flag for. Let's go to um, let's go to to trade up possibilities before we before we do that. We you, we mentioned already. Bilal has a reportedly has a a promise in the top fourteen. This is always something I've struggled with, and we talked about it a lot. Uh, I believe two years ago. What is the upside in a promise from a, from a team's perspective? I know it, it changes a lot. It can change a lot for a prospect and how they how they manage the rest of the pre draft process, but like. What is the what is the upside for Oklahoma City if it's them in promising well, someone at 12 with all the assets they have to do other things? Yeah, it's it's because if you decide like okay, that's my guy, then you know, you don't want him in like and it, it takes it takes two, right? Because the upside is that Bilal Kulabali doesn't take a draft visit to Washington or Utah or Dallas. Like that's the upside. And so it has to be, it has, it kind of has to be a two way street where the player is also comfortable with the landing spot. Um, you know, it's, I believe it was Leonard Miller that like, yeah, he backed out of the combine and some people are kind of inferring that he has a promise. I would kind of buy into that. Um, you know, or I, I think, uh, Bobby Clinton also did something similar where he's kind of shut things down. Like, but that's the upside, right? Like you don't want other teams to figure out how good this guy is. Um, and you want him to be able to just fall to you. I would give I would give Brandon a promise. <laughs> I appreciate that. I appreciate. I'm I'm basically Jordan Hawkins. So. <laughs> <laughs> um. All right. Uh, let's let's go around like number one trade up prospect. And let's let's take like the top. Let's take the top three. Let's take the top four positions or draft spots off the table. I don't think Houston would deal that, uh, at least to us. Um, but let's talk five and up. Let's say we get to five. Who's the, the who's the number one target for you guys? I mean, for, for me, I mean, for me, it's not going to change. On you could five through 11 trade up. I'm going to say Jarris Walker or Taylor Hendricks, either way. Like I would be equally happy and pumped about either. We, we talked about a lot. Like I said, they're four, a four B for me. I think Jarris Walker obviously is perceived value is higher. And I do think that he fits uh, a lot of what the thunder like. And, and I agree with, with what Spencer said earlier, because, because of the beef and size that he has, uh, the thunder do need a guy like that. So even if I favor Taylor Hendricks just slightly more, uh, I would be equally happy about either one. I think that Jarris is the more likely, uh, like if they're at five, just because of perceived value, I, I don't think you trade up to the five for Taylor Hendricks as much as I would be pumped about it. What is it for you that you that has Hendricks a little above Jarris? So I think you would be, I think you'd be in the minority. It, it's the shooting is, I mean, it's absolutely the shooting, like okay. every, everything else, um, you know, I, I love the shot blocking. I love that. He just dunks everything. Um, 
Jairus Walker like doesn't get to the free throw line very often. Like Spencer alluded to earlier, he has a floater game that he likes to go to. I'm not saying that he's like averse to physical uh, play because the dude is huge and he plays defense so physically, but he doesn't get to the line a lot. Uh, I just like, I love the efficiency that Taylor Hendricks plays with. I just think that the spacing uh, that the ta- Taylor Hendricks gives the thunder and the size, you know, he's that wingspan we talked about and it, again, equally pumped, but I do it's, it comes down to the shooting. I, I believe in the jump shot much, much more obviously than Jairus Walker, even if Walker has some other things about him, like the playmaking and feel for the game that would be higher than Taylor Hendricks. Spencer, would you rather see him? Like, is it is it Jairus over Hendricks for you? And are those the top two guys you would you would hope they'd they'd move to five four? Um, it's definitely. I I I I don't think it's all that close. Uh, I see why Brandon does. I'm not, I don't think it's crazy, but to me, like I I don't think they're that close. Um for some of the reasons I, I mentioned earlier, but yeah, I have Jairus, um, yeah, at least one tier higher, um, than, than, than Taylor Hendricks. I mean, to me, the second guy, um, that you would maybe trade up for to five, like, I mean, I have Grady higher than a star Thompson, but you're probably not trading up to five for Grady. Um, but like you might for a star Thompson, you know, you might need to, cause he, he, he might go off the board earlier and that, you know, if that's your guy, then that's your guy. Um, yeah, I'd probably be between Jairus. If, if like we got the Woj notification that the Thunder had traded for the fifth pick, but we don't know who it is yet. We have that like 90 seconds of like on the edge of our seat, like who do they trade up for? I think it's probably Jairus or Asar. Brandon, what's the, um, what's the reaction for you if they do move up to five and it's a SAR? Um, equal parts <laughs> uh, excitement and disappointment. Okay. Look, look, any trade-up I'm excited by, and if Sam Presti is investing that much capital because Asar Thompson is his guy to go and get at five, you know, I, I believe, I, I agree that the upside and the ceiling is there. There's a lot to like about the Thompson twins and a star shooting is better than a men's. Um, so yeah, I would be excited. Uh, I would, you know, I would just, at that point I'd be like, okay, well, Presti agrees with every other draft analyst out there besides myself. So I'm, <laughs> I'm going to say that everybody else is right and I'm wrong. Uh, I, I would still worry slightly about, you know, the floor and the risk of, you know, the whole boom bust that he would, you know, not, end up being all the things that you want him to be. Uh, but yeah, I would, I would definitely be excited because you end up with a dude that most people consider a top five or six player in this draft. Um, are you guys, do you guys watch succession? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Best is show on TV. Well, formerly on TV. Is everybody caught up? Yep. Yes. Okay. So, uh, Brandon, uh, Presti, Wait, Presti spoiler is, alert for the audience, spoiler alert for the audience. really no spoiler coming, but, um, okay. in this scenario, Presti is Ken and, uh, and Brandon's Hugo and Brandon just, <laughs> Brandon just giving him the wolf, the wolf, wolf, Sam's like, it's going to be a SAR, but the scraps will be millions. And, uh, <laughs> Well, who's Carolina? Because I need to watch out for her. Who <laughs> <laughs> Carolina 
is Casey Wallace. I hate to break it to you. <laughs> no, Carolina is um, Nancy Lieberman. <laughs> <laughs> shout out. Shout out, does Nancy mean, Lieberman. Does that mean that Michael Cage is Carl? <laughs> that's right. <laughs> that's right. Um, that's we might do an entire episode of uh, of six. Who is who is who? Uh, which which Thunder player and Thunder adjacent employee is uh, is which succession character? Um, Poku is Greg. Sorry, KD <laughs> uh, K- is Shiv. <laughs> yeah. See this. This might divulge into this. Um, who's Ro- who's Roman? Oh man, uh, Stephen Adams. Uh no, that doesn't fit. I was just no. thinking because he's Roman. Might be was... might be Mitch McGarry. <laughs> hang on, hang on. Is Russ Roman? That's very nice. I like that a lot. <laughs> I like that a lot. Uh, Frank he is really Nick... get what he wants, but he's exceptionally rich, and you know it's going to work out for him. Frank is Nick Collison. <laughs> I don't know if I agree with all these. <laughs> yeah, these I are think just I offended awesome Brandon though. by saying that uh, Roman was right. <laughs> <laughs> well, it just all depends on what you think of Roman. Like I said, Stephen Adams, because my first thought of Roman was funny, but then I immediately thought of all the other sides of Roman. Like he's all over the place. He's hard to pick somebody for because it can either be a great compliment or a big time put down, depending on you know which Roman you're talking about. I think I think the Russ Roman thing is interesting because Roman um this might I don't know it's not really a spoiler but Roman ends with a smile on his face despite all circumstances and uh yeah. even though he's like bloodied and beat up and I think I think Russ is kind of in the same boat. <laughs> I think he's very been through the ringer and he's still got still got a smile on his face. Both very unpredictable um you know prickly with reporters at times. Yeah. <laughs> I think it fits. Sorry, Brandon. Um, all right. Wow. That was a, that was a fun detour. Um, Spencer is let's, let's take uh let's move away from five, six. Are we viewing six with Orlando as a gettable pick? Cause I, I'm looking at seven within Indiana as kind of like, why would they move out of that? Yeah. Um, but do you think six is available? I don't think so. Um, I mean, I think there have been reports in the last couple of days that like Orlando is not planning on making both picks. Um, so maybe 11 is available, um, which would be kind of funny if the Thunder like traded into 11 and then made their own pick at 12 in back to back years. That would be, um, that would be funny. That would be like, what a coincidence that would be. Um, to be honest, no, like I'm going, like I think five is available. Um, and, and you and mentioned, think- you mentioned to us yesterday that, the the hire of Monty Williams, you think, um, like, kind of is yeah. guiding you in that, like, why it might be more available than other picks. Look, you're not you're not paying Monty Williams twelve million dollars a year to like continue your rebuild status quo, right? Like, and that's not to say that they're going to go try to do what Houston is doing and like sign a washed James Harden. Like, I don't think Detroit is going to do that, but I do think they want to make like a very big leap this year. And if they don't, like Troy Weaver's job is probably in jeopardy. I think, like, if the Pistons have a you know our bottom five in the league again, 
and you're paying a coach $12 million a year and you've had all these lottery, like, I don't know that Troy Weaver has just a ton of job security. So they, I do think they need to start making some win now moves and like taking Cam Whitmore at five just does not, or like a star Thompson, like that does not jive together in my opinion. So I do. And like, if you pick up a couple of future picks, the Thunder have many, including three in the next draft, um, pick up a couple of those, the Pistons can continue growing their current core. Um, and maybe they can use the Bogdanovich contract and, you know, the Marvin Bagley contract and go get like, you know, somebody that can end one of those picks and go get somebody that can really help. Um, I think that is a more attractive outcome for Detroit. Um, yeah. And yeah, I mean, like you, my Williams is going to make $12 million. Like what are, what are they going to go? They're going to win 28 games again. I doubt it. And just thinking about that, thinking about it from Troy Weaver's perspective, like the lottery just was so brutal for Detroit in, in how, I mean, they ran it, they ran the playbook pretty well, um, as, as far as getting to the, to the, the lottery night with the yeah. best odds that they could. Yeah. And, you know, it, in 21, they get the one pick. It's not always going to go your way for sure, but yeah. to fall to five in this position, like that could have easily been two. And you're talking about, um, you know, you're probably not talking about like so much desperation um, and right. really needing to maneuver things to, to find, to, you know, to, to move forward. So very, very tough night for Detroit, but yeah, that, that pick, like, Brandon, it it seems like the it it almost seems like there are too many signs, like the the Troy Weaver part of it, the the Monty part of it, like it 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 almost feels too um too clean, like too expected, which is never what happens. Yeah, and I just I have a hard time believing that the Pistons would drop from five to twelve. That's such a big drop down. Like if they're wanting to trade out of five. And pick up assets. I could see. Do you guys hear that? I thought I was getting pulled over. <laughs> <laughs> I do hear that. What is it? Yeah, I do. Yeah, it's a police car. Yeah, yeah, it's a couple of police cars. Uh, yeah, that's. They're coming uh, to get you for your case and takes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Maybe Brandon. By the way, I would I would like to say after the whole case and thing, you guys got on to me because. Uh, Case I want to be a starter, and then we heard, you know, Jordan Hawkins, like like a whole, like a whole spill hey, about Jordan Hawkins. Not at, I not at six. Ahead of coming him. off the bench. Not at six. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, yeah, I, I, that's true. That's true. I have, but I mean, with with the lottery yeah. pick, with the twelfth pick. Uh, uh, okay, so I don't know what what I was saying. Oh, I just can't see the Pistons dropping from five to twelve. Is it possible? Yes. Um, but it's such a steep drop off to to go from five to twelve. The Thunder would really have to give up a lot to move up that high, um, and maybe they do it. I mean, maybe the Pistons just aren't in love with Cam Whitmore or Asar Thompson, and they feel like whoever they get at twelve plus a few picks, uh, and maybe they use the few other picks to go and get a guy and try to compete right now. I mean, that's possible. It's kind of best of both worlds, right? 
you still get a lottery pick, but then you also get all these other picks to make some moves with. Uh, because I think the cleanest move is to trade five for a win-now player, which is what the Blazers want to do with three. But maybe it's kind of best of both worlds. Um, I want to yeah, read. If they could trade five for Pascal Siakam, then, I mean, go for it. But it's a tough marketplace right now. <laughs> this is one of the um, – uh, and you guys can – I hope one of you guys can help me out with where this came from. It's just a screenshot of a of a trade offer, uh, a, a trade. Is it the the Pistons offer? Yeah, a trade idea. Believe, Do you know where that was? That the athletic? I believe it's from the Athletic. Yeah, I believe that's the Athletic. I saw that, and it, it's the font of the Athletic. I believe that okay. is uh, yeah, a James it's, Edwards who covers the Pistons for them. I believe that was his idea. Okay, yep. just want to give credit, but um, this says this has Detroit receiving the twelfth pick. Uh, the tw- and a 2024 20, first and a 2025 first from Oklahoma City. Oklahoma City moves up to five, they also get 31 and they get uh Boyan Bogdanovich. We, I sent this to the guys earlier today, and it was a unanimous we would all uh sign off on that. Um, moving up to five, that being the price. 531 and Bogdanovich for 12 and two future firsts, one next year and one in 25. Um, and just for um, just to point this out, Bogdanovich has a two year contract left, um, although it's really only one year. So this next year, he's going to get paid 20 million. The year after that, it's 19. Um, but that second year is only 2 million guaranteed. That's a huge That's thing. Awesome. Until uh, June 29th, 2024. So they'd have to make a decision like before free agency next summer. But um, so it's a one plus one, basically. I mean, yeah, I'd love that it would only tie up the the cap space for for one season. And then you can either trade him, keep him, or, you know, just non-guaranteed. And it's only two million against you. Um, So that gives you lots of options. And he's still a really good player, honestly. Yeah. Is yeah, that to a, be honest, I a, think this offer is like too generous. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah. I is that a Thunder, contract you think that they're trying to that they're trying to move off of? No, I think they could get something like if the Mavericks had assets to give, like wouldn't they just give you a first round pick um, and like Bertans? Like, wouldn't you know? Couldn't you just get like a or like a Tim Hardaway like? I feel like you could Al Horford that almost and get an yeah. asset or two. Agree. Um, or just trade him or just like, like Mike Muscala, I guess it was a much cheaper contract, but like you could, you know, you could probably, there's other bad money out there. Like you could, uh, you could get some, some stuff back for him. I think. Yeah. I wouldn't even call I mean, that's a, that's a solid contract for him. Uh, he's, he's like, I don't know, 34 years old, but he's still putting up good numbers, efficient numbers. And if they do want to win right now, I don't know why they want to get rid of him anyways, quite honestly. And the Thunder could either keep him, trade him. And like, he's a very tradable contract and player. But yeah, if you can do that deal and move up to five and get Jarris Walker, uh, absolutely. The Pistons might, I don't know what their cap room is. Like that maybe they think they can get a free agent that's better than him. And so it doesn't, you know, just offloading him helps. I don't, I, I don't know. Um, but that, yeah, I agree. That's the only thing I could think of why they would want to do that. Um, so let's go to we like seven Indiana, eight Washington. Probably not in play. Um, don't really the know why. Is. 
You think eight is? Yeah, why not? Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, I, like I Washington's got is. a brand new GM. Like they've got, you know, they they should be ideally in like asset accumulation mode. Like how many times have they had like basically the eighth through the twelfth pick? Like so, they, they get it wrong so almost really, every time. Yeah, so several years they, in a row. They've been living in this zone. Why not just trade back within the same zone and get another asset? The question to me, like, are you willing to give up a full first round pick to move to eight? I would. I maybe. Um, like, pro- yeah, pro- like if, you know, if you're trying to go get Grady, I think that would make some sense because Grady's not getting past eleven for sure. Um, maybe not even getting past nine or ten. And Grady is not really a fit in Washington because of uh, your boy, Corey Kispert. I don't know that they would, uh, you know, it's kind of an Isaiah Joe Jordan Hawkins situation. <laughs> uh, don't, tempt, don't tempt me with a good time. Um, <laughs> um, but uh, the reason I, the reason I said Washington, like is, is like a pick. I don't think is necessarily available is because uh, a guy like Anthony black is, sure. is available. And maybe they're like, you know, maybe they're like, well, we, you know, we, we ran that last year with Johnny Davis. Um, yeah. Shout out to them. But, um, yeah, uh, no kidding. Man, and let Jalen Williams fall to 12. My God. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah I, like, maybe, maybe they're, you know, maybe it's more, maybe it's more gettable than, than I, than I think. Um, Taylor Hendricks is who Tankathon has them taking at eight. Um, you know, would be, sure. would be interested to, to see that. But, um, I do think if you, if you get to eight, you know, you assure yourself one of these guys we're talking about, like a, a really, a, a, an intriguing prospect to add to this, to this team. Um, let's, what about nine with Utah? Yeah, it's, I think the eight and nine are the most likely, um, or 10, I think eight, nine, 10, if the Thunder are trading up, I think those are by far the most likely. Like Spencer said, the Wizards need some assets, uh, and they can drop down. They need a point guard. You can drop down to 12 and get a point guard. So maybe Kaysen Wallace falls. Kobe Bufkin can be there. Uh, Keontae George, who we haven't mentioned at all, by the way, who, who may you know be the pick at 12. We haven't mentioned him. Uh, you get him. I think the same the Jazz. The Jazz need uh, a point guard. And so, again, I, th- I think the most likely pick for them there is Kaysen Wallace after Anthony Black. If he goes to eight, but you can give him back their pick next year, their 2024, and you know, to only drop three spots and then still maybe get your guy or a guy similar to him, um, I think makes a lot of sense. Actually, the only reason it wouldn't make sense is because they have um 16 also, and maybe they would prefer to go nine, 16 than 12 and 16. But if if you give them back their 2024, all of a sudden, you know, they're right they're teetering on the edge of being like, you know, a play in team possibly. And their pick is like one through 10 protected next year. And then for the next three years, it's tied up in like one through 10 or one through eight protections that can just let them be what they want to be by dropping down three spots. If they can be cool, if they don't cool, they don't have to stress about losing the pick and all that stuff. So I think that the jazz make a lot of sense. I don't have a read on this um, because, like, to me, the like, and I don't think Jazz fans feel this way. Uh, they seem to be very excited about this young core of Laurie Markin and, and Walker Kessler. 
Yeah. But to me, this is one of the most depressing situations in the NBA. Like, look, like this roster, like other than Walker Kessler, is there anyone on this team that you're positive is going to be here in like four years? Like maybe like if, like, I don't think I personally, I'm not a believer that like Lori Markinen is just going to be an all-star for the rest of his prime. Uh, maybe he is, maybe I'm wrong. Uh, but I, mean, I have no, I have no clue what they're doing. I have no clue what their goals are. To me, it was like a catastrophic failure that they did not tank and like seriously get in on the Weminyama sweepstakes. If you want to be like kind of frisky, good and barely miss the play in next year is the year to do that. Right. Like, like having Lori Markinen have a breakout year is going to be, you know, the, in the way that he did is like not a net positive for this franchise. Um, when they could have they just like the stars had aligned for them. They trade their two, their two franchise guys. They could have, you know, sold off at the deadline. They could have flipped Laurie at any time. I, to me, like this is not, I, I, I'm not a believer in like what Utah's future is, but they may disagree with that. Um, they may feel pretty good about where they're at and where they're going. So I have no clue what they should or will do in this draft. I like Abaji. I mean, sure. Um, he's probably the third most promising guy on the team. And he's like 23 already. They do have a lot of picks now. They, they've got a lot of picks. so That's true. And, yeah. if they tra- and if they trade Lori, they'll either get you know a good young player for him and or more picks. So, I mean, there's... why not do that a year ago? I mean, you would have gotten less for him, but like you maybe would have had a, a chance at Victor. Like to me, it was just, I don't know. Yeah. And we, this doesn't have to be a, you know, a big jazz diatribe. I was just pointing that out because I, I really don't know what they should do. Um, because to me, they're kind of in no man's land where they, now they kind of have to try out this Lori core where it's just like Lori and Kessler and like, yeah, they need a point guard. Like, is Cason Wallace really going to be their starting point guard for, like, immediately? I mean, I guess they have Colin Sexton. Um, yeah. Chris Dunn's on the roster. And maybe they're, I mean, maybe they're an Anthony Black landing spot. Or maybe, you know, maybe, you know, would, maybe a SAR, maybe a SAR falls. You could talk me into that, like, you know, being interesting. But I, like... A, a Anthony Black, Lori Markin, and Walker Kessler is like your big three. Yeah. Like, oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, the shooting. <laughs> and I did think well, I did think they'd the be talent. one of the worst teams yeah. going into last year. Like, it did seem like they were destined for like one of the. I mean, we thought it was going to be San Antonio and Utah um, yeah. fighting and for. They should have been. Trick. I mean, and credit to Lori. Like, he averaged twenty five. He averaged at a very efficient twenty five points per game had a huge breakout year. Do it again, man. Like, let's see it. You know, I'm not, I'm not sure that that's a repeatable trick. Uh, he's only 25, but uh, he's going to be 26 this year. But that just felt like a, uh, I don't want to call it a flash in the pan, but like, uh, yeah, like how repeatable is the situation? And if like Lori does have an amazing year and you're adding someone like Casey Wallace, you're probably not making the play in next year either. Right, like the Thunder are going to be a lot better, um, the Spurs are going to be a lot better, the Rockets are going to be a lot better. Like, the, it's possible the Jazz still end up with one of the three or four worst records in the West again next year, even if they're a little bit better. Just Sorry, every the, uh, team's trying to be competitive. Uh, at ten, like 
the the Mavs were fined a three quarters of a million dollars uh, in for their efforts to try and keep this pick. I feel like that, like just from an optic standpoint, that has to play in to to what they do with this. Like they did so much to get it, or I should say, so much to keep it. Um, gosh, I. It just well, makes me very intrigued about this pick. Like that is a that is part of the cost of whatever they do with this pick is like is like a league mandated fine. Uh like we yeah, like they, they they made Luca and Kyrie sit out. Yeah. Like I mean they they chose they chose this over possibly making the play in and you know there's a play in team in in the finals right now. Like what is it what does that say about their spot at 10 is it just to keep the asset or does that does that make it more likely that they stay there to keep to pick someone or more likely that you know we kept our asset but now we get to do what we want with it i think for them it was just about keeping the asset whether that ends up in a draft pick or they trade it for a win now player or they use it to offload bertans and or tim hardaway jr reggie bullock and that frees up space to go get a guy in free agency whatever it is it was better for them to have this asset than to not have it because if they didn't have this i mean it would be in a really really bad spot i mean you just hope that Kyrie resigns and you just run it back and that is their team now they either add a top 10 pick uh maybe it's Derek lively helps their defense maybe it's taylor Hendricks if he falls there he helps their defense and provides some shooting. Um, or maybe you, you trade it for a win-now player, but they had to have the asset uh, because it was it was going to be pretty dire for them if they didn't have it. I think they will easily trade it. I will say that. And if Derek Lively is their guy because he's kind of picked up some steam, uh, they could easily trade back with the Thunder two spots and still get Derek Lively uh, and then pick up an asset, whether that's a future first or – more than likely, I would say, shedding some of that salary. Thunder take on some bad salary for a year, uh, whether that's Reggie Bullock, uh, Bertans, uh, his second year is like partially guaranteed. Um, and the Thunder move up two spots and get, you know, whether Hendricks is there or Grady Dick or, or somebody like that. Um, that actually makes a lot of sense for both teams, I think. Can I, I, I want to pitch a trade. Um, I don't know that it's it's not really thunder related at all, actually. So we could move on quickly. But like, why like would Atlanta just give them John Collins for the tenth pick? Like, not trading up, just like John yeah. Collins for the tenth pick and like Bertans or however you need to make the money work. That would be interesting. I mean that. I mean that does make some sense, honestly. I mean, um, uh, Atlanta would be taking a step back there competitively, so maybe they wouldn't do that. But, I mean, it seems like they've been trying to shop Collins for a while now. I doubt that they've received the offer of, like, a 10th pick. And is that just, right. like, Collins is just, like, a, a better version of Wood? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think so. Yeah. For, he John plays, Collins is good. Plays, I'm, like, I'm in the defense. John Collins is good camp. Whatever. I agree. I don't, I, I don't know how big that island is, but, like, that guy has become a pretty good defender. He's a good shooter. I think he has been miscast in Trey Young's, you know, style of basketball. Um, it's effective. 
for, you know, on, on the bottom line, it's pretty effective offense. Um, but I, I like it, John Collins in Oklahoma city, I think would be at least offensively. I think we'd see, you know, a much different guy. I don't know that he fits. I don't know that he fits necessarily with chat. Uh, I don't know that he's the best fit for the thunder, but I think he would be like, I think he would make all-star teams in Oklahoma city. Or he certainly could. I like I, I another I'm, with I'm with you uh, in, in that. I like John Collins a lot, but that, that is an interesting, interesting move. 10, 10 and Bertans for, for Collins. Yeah. Maybe Atlanta throws in a second round pick or something. I don't know. Cause then Atlanta would be picking at 10 and 15. Yeah. And maybe they could trade up. Maybe that's the trade up to five. Yeah. yeah. 10 and 15 to five. Probably not, but maybe. Atlanta, Atlanta could use a little bit of a reboot. I think there's some guys in here, you know, Atlanta at 15, you know, maybe Jordan Hawkins gets there. Um, man, that would be a, a tricky back backcourt with uh, Trey and, and Murray and, and, uh, and Hawkins. Detroit Miller is another guy that would fit really well with Atlanta. All you have, to, I think all they'd have to do is just offer Capella as well to Detroit and they're going to get it. Just Troy Weaver can't, uh, uh can't, can't help himself. The centers. He loves, they, he loves the centers. They do need to trade, uh, Capella because I like they just need, I mean, they, this is a team that drafted Okongo. What did they draft him like? Fourth overall, sixth overall, something like that. They, and he hasn't really gotten a chance yet because of Capella and, and Collins. They got to let him go. There, he, Capella will help a team next year. He's 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 not out of gas yet. I even saw him. I even saw a Thunder Capella situation. Can't remember what it was, but it was a few days ago. Um. Is there any guy we haven't talked about that you guys are are just one to fire off takes for one way or the other? Uh, I um, think some names. Oh, go ahead. No, you. I, you go ahead. Uh, I think some names that are at least worth mentioning. Um, like I said, Keontae George, just because he's been mocked to the Thunder a lot at 12. I'm not very high on him. I know that he, at the beginning of the season, he was like considered like a top five pick, and a lot of people are still believers in him, and he's trimmed down a lot. He's in better shape. Uh, a lot of people believe in the shot. You know, I, ju- I just worry about, you know, the numbers at Arkansas, um, but there's a lot of people said he, you know, he played through an injury, and he's in better shape, and, and the spacing was bad, and, and he took a lot of difficult shots. But I do think that he's at least in the mix. Uh, Derek Whitehead is an interesting guy because, again, uh, a lot of hype about him before the season, played through injury, um, but a lot of people believe the upside is still there. Nick Smith Jr., all three of those guys, kind of the same story with all three of those guys. Big names heading into the season that kind of disappointed throughout the season. Um, City Sisosko, uh, Sisosko uh, he's kind of been a hot name. I don't think he's in play at 12, but if the Thunder were to like trade back into the first round, maybe him or like a Trace Jackson Davis, uh, Olivier Maxence Prosper. Uh, right, now, you're, now, you're, now we're just going down the board. I want some takes. I want some takes <laughs> one way or the other. The, these are guys 
these are guys that I think are high upside guys that I don't think that the Thunder will draft a 12. Um, but but maybe if they get back into the first round or try to trade up like 37 and 50, get it late first round. Those are guys I would like. Now, I will. I do have some takes. There's been some guys that have been mocked to the Thunder or a lot of people haven't played for the Thunder. Now, I'm just going to wet blanket this. Like, like Ryan Repair, Gigi Jackson, Bryce Sensabaugh, Jalen Hood, Shafino, Jet Howard, and Maxwell Lewis. I am completely out on the Thunder taking all those guys at 12 for different reasons. I would say I'm with you on all of those people for the thunder. I want to just plant my flag that I think Gigi Jackson is going to be uh, a good NBA player. Wow. That's a, I think that's maybe the the boldest take we've heard tonight. Yeah. That that I, I am. And it may, may just be because I saw the right game, but, um, yeah. I, I remember the game you're talking about. Um, it was another, he was playing another prospect and you were excited. About it. I remember you were in the chat about it. Um, yeah. In. Who was, in. Oh, was he, probably, he was playing Alabama, probably. He's probably playing Brandon Miller. That's exactly what it was. And yeah. I was, I was, um, like, I, you can give me all the red flags and I will, I will color them red with you. I am, I am in on, the skill set of Gigi Jackson. The guy is so skilled for his size. He is also very inefficient. Also just like mopes also really, really put his immaturity on tape uh, for, for these teams. Like it's, it's a, it's a bummer. He's also super young, uh, should be headed to college for his freshman year uh, this fall. And you know, reclassified went early and scored 17 points in the SEC per game. And uh, I I just think at that size, that handle, um, the fluidity, the sh- the potential shot making. I, I won't even say shot making. Well, the, but I I'm yeah. I'm in. So here's why I'm out. Like I'm I would be willing to overlook because of his like pedigree, and if people are unaware, like. Before he reclassified, he was the number one overall player in his high school class. Um, he reclassifies, goes to South Carolina. It's a super bad situation. There's like one other, you know, SEC level player on the team, if that. He's a, a year younger than most freshmen. But here's the thing: <laughs> his true shooting percentage is forty-seven percent. That's not good. Like that, that's and like, you know. And even, uh, yeah, I mean, in SEC, like in his numbers on the year scoring, yeah, he averaged like 15, 16 points a game. In SEC play, he averaged 13.7 points on 13.4 field goal attempts on 34% shooting from the field on 28.9 shooting from three. Like, I, I, I agree with you, like the, athletic, the athleticism pops a little bit. I would probably not take this guy. Like, I – if he hits, like he's going to be great. Um, I think there's way more outcomes where, like, he's, you know, playing overseas or or is just washed out. If if I had told you he was, you know, if we had, if we had just gone over it really in detail the day he reclassified, yeah, like, I I don't think it's I don't think it's a shock how his year went. Like, it's not like I don't no. think it's even like the. I don't even think it's like the worst possible outcome. Like it's 
it's oh, not it's pretty good. bad. It's it's not good. It's not good. I mean, here here are the outcome. Here's the other. Here's his other options. Like he had two. I guess he had three options. All right. He's a kid from South Carolina, so he went to play for his hometown school. But he he was committed to North Carolina for like months. So he had, he had three options. He could have committed to North Carolina, which he did, and then had stayed in his current high school class, which would mean he's about to be a freshman, which is probably what he should have done, right? Or he could have reclassified and played at North Carolina last year, played with a team that ended up not being that good, but like they, you know, he would have been the the fifth starter um, on a team that had just made the national final the year before with like other competent basketball players. Or he could have reclassed and put himself in a really bad situation with a first year head coach at a program that has like one good season in 80 years. They made, when they made the final four as a seven seed a bunch of years ago, like South Carolina basketball is not, does not have like a big tradition or anything. Um, first year head coach, he's the guy and it just blew up in his face. Like I actually, I don't like you say it's not the worst outcome. What like, how could this like other than uh, like a uh, oh what's the kid's name Patrick Baldwin Jr. type of situation like he basically it, it's basically just as bad as that to me like where he goes plays for his dad at, at a mid major and is awful. I just he put so much good stuff on tape that I don't think Patrick Baldwin Jr. did. That's true, and like the athleticism definitely pops more with Gigi, um, but he also put a lot of bad on tape, both like. No doubt. Both with his immaturity and with just like missed shots. Um, he's, he's also pretty post heavy to me. Like, I don't know that he, like the way that he gets his looks, like he, he, he likes to, to play out of the post a lot, um, which is just like never going to work in the NBA. You know, you're no NBA team is going to be like, yeah, you we're going to run our offense through you and you're going to be able to do that out of the post. He should be just, just, like serving up the Alabama tape to as many people as will watch. Um, it was, um, let me look up his line from that game. Uh, did they play Alabama more than once? They did not. All right. Uh, oh, uh, 19 points on 20 shots, two of six from three. Three rebounds, one assist, one steal, two blocks, and five turnovers in 42 minutes. So that game must have gone to overtime. His, so yeah, I mean, you, his, you see the, you see the the volume scoring, but you also see the inefficiency. Yeah, no doubt, and the numbers are worse than I remember. But his his first, um, I remember the transition dunk half halftime. Yeah. He had, I think, he had like 14 or 15 in the first half, like he, the second half, um, pretty rough, but like the, uh, the movement, the, the handling, the shooting at his size at that, at that, like that yeah. young age, I'm, I will, uh, I will plant the flag and, uh, happy to, uh, happy to be over here by myself, but any other like Jed Howard, um, no. Chris, Chris Murray, any any strong feelings um, one way or the other? Uh, can I interest you in Bobby Clinton? No. Kind of a, I'm kind of interested. In, he's a really good shooter. Like it's six foot ten. Um, he's pretty raw overall, but the shooting is is not raw. Like he's a good shooter. Um, 
he would probably spend most of next year with the blue. I would not take him at 12. I think that would be a bad pick. But like if they yeah. trade into, you know, if they, they got into like 17 or something, um, 17, 18, or just really anywhere out, out of the lottery and said, Hey, we're going to take a shot on this six ten dude who can has great movement skills and can really, really shoot. By all means, I think that would be a lot of fun. Um, well, I went to find him on Tankathon, and they have Oklahoma City taking him at thirty-seven. I, yeah, he's, I think he's going to go in. He's going to go in the first round because he has a promise, right? Yeah, that's what Kevin O'Connor. Kevin O'Connor says he has a promise in the first round, so he's he's moved up. I agree with Spencer. He's he's like in that list with me of like Trace Jackson Davis, where I definitely don't want him at twelve, obviously. Uh, but if they were to trade back into the first round or, you know, end up in the twenties somewhere with another pick, uh, I, I take him for sure. By the way, Trace Jackson Davis, um, super productive player at Indiana, really old guy. He is the, the next in line of the JRE Jalen Williams undersized center archetype. He's and he's probably the best. Now he, he is small. I don't think he had a very good combine in terms of measurements. If I am remembering correctly. But man, that can rebound. He can block shots. He was, I mean, there's actually a clip. If the Thunder do end up getting him, I'll I'll find it. There's a clip of Kevin Willard, who is the Maryland head coach, who just like, he was asked a question about Trace Jackson Davis. And he talked about him like he was Michael Jordan. Like he just couldn't, he could not say enough nice things about how good he was. Um, Is that going to translate to the NBA? No, probably not. But it would not shock me at all if the Thunder took uh, took trace at 37. And I actually think that would be an interesting pick. Um, yeah, it would probably mean the end for JRE, which I, I think I'm fine with, but, um, but it would uh, have ben to, Shepard, it would have, go ahead. It would have to mean the end of somebody else too, right? Like that's a, we already think JRE might be the guy. Well, I guess you could technically put him on a two way. Right. I see. Uh, I see. Yeah. But, but if you if you're bringing in Trace in any capacity, like there's just no minutes. Yeah. There. So like, why even you know? Um, he, but yeah, I mean, gotta, the second, I, I do think they'll use it two way because because um, Lindy is done with two way status, so they're going to have to uh, either sign him or let him go, I believe. And their other two way, I forget who it is, but it's I don't think it matters. Um, actually, Lindy's technically not even a two way anymore, right? They elevated him. Yeah, they all, he, um, yeah, he got yeah, he got a real contract. He got he got a real contract. Yeah, if the Thunder uh, do miss on Jordan Hawkins, or they just don't take him, um, another version of Jordan Hawkins at home is Ben Shepard, who's yeah. kind of an interesting mid-major prospect. Um, has had like a really good combine, um, and is a is a pretty interesting wing, I think, um, to look into. Probably late first round. I think we're looking at Jared Butler on a two-way still, right? Probably, but yeah. that can be, you know, they could, like, I would probably rather have the 51st pick or whatever we have is, is a two-way. Mm-hmm. Any, uh, any Imani Bates interest late in the draft? No, no, no. no. Another wingspan guy uh, in, in the wrong direction. <laughs> um, dude, dude has not, not a very good wingspan and it, uh, you know, that's something that you don't really know when you're 15 years, when you're putting a 15 year old on the cover of Sports Illustrated, you don't know what his wingspan is going to be. 
uh, and his his did not really grow. Uh, I want to pour one out for my Zach Eady dreams. Oh yeah, um, those those were vanished today when he decided to uh, return to Purdue. Does like Spencer? You you probably watch more college basketball than Brandon and I combined, but does that automatically mean Purdue's going to be like really good next year again? Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, he was the national player of the year. Um, they were a one seed with two like unheralded freshman guards in the backcourt, <laughs> which is kind of amazing. And it's also probably why they lost to a 16 seed. They had two unheralded freshman guards in the backcourt and a center who could be, you know, is, is amazingly productive, but also flawed. Um, but no, they'll be, yeah, Purdue's going to be really good again. I don't even know who else they have coming back, but they'll, they're going to be good. Yeah, I mean, I would think he gets drafted next year, right? Yeah. I'm wondering, I, I guess the play from his perspective is, you know, next year is a super weak class. Yeah. Um, so he can, you know, he, he probably, might be, I, he might be a lottery pick. <laughs> I, don't know about that. <laughs> I saw somebody say that like, if this was seven or eight years ago, he'd be top 10 pick. And I just, I don't think that's true. Uh, I don't think basketball has changed quite that much. Maybe it is. Um, but he's, he's an interesting guy. I, I like, do you like, do you coming out of, as a prospect like him or Luca Garza is kind of interesting to me. Um, Luca much better offensively, but Edie just with his size is probably a, not probably he is a better defensive prospect. I, I I thought Walker Kessler's year last year. I know they're very they're very different, but I thought Walker Kessler's season last year would keep Edie in the draft um, this year. I thought it would I thought it would mean a team would talk themselves into the size and what it might mean. Um, at yeah. the like obviously walker's vi- much more mobile and springy but um it i just thought the the correlation might keep him around yeah i mean and look he pro- he would have been drafted like i don't know that he would have yeah. been a first round pick but like zach Eady absolutely would have been picked um so but maybe he goes from like the 41st pick this year to like the 27th pick next like maybe that works and he's going to get paid a ton in NIL to be at Purdue. Um, this is definitely a situation I think where if this was five years ago in terms of NIL laws, he probably comes out. Um, but because he can make like, he's going to make more at Purdue this year probably than he could. Um, that's know, fair. On a two way. That's, that's fair. So it's, it's kind of one of those things too, like Oscar Shibway, same thing um, out of Kentucky. Two Drew years Timmy. ago, one national player of the year. Um, yeah, Drew Timmy, sure. Uh, any Drew Timmy interest? I think he's in. He's finally out of eligibility, right? He's in this draft. Pretty sure. Yeah, he's he's in this draft. No, no. I mean, it would only be fun for the vibes. Oh, it would be like, great for the vibes with him and Chad. Yeah, him and, and Chad, Yeah, but no. As far as like actual, you know, on court, I'd I'd rather get somebody else. I'd, re- I'd like to hire him as an assistant coach. I just want to get him in the program. <laughs> I'm I'm much more interested in in Jay Will minutes. Um, sure. Much more. 
which I don't know that we would have said that. It's funny because, um, I mean, Jay Will and Timmy played against each other in that tournament game. Yeah. Um, everyone was kind of worried about chat in that, in that matchup, but, um, Timmy was there. Yeah. Jay Will, Jay Will is, uh, is, is better. That's true. All right, guys, any other, um, any other draft or draft adjacent takes that are just, uh, are burning? Um, I think I don't, <laughs> not both of us at once, I guess. Um, no, I'm just ready for it to be here, man. We've got three weeks, uh, three weeks from today as of this recording. Um, I'm excited to see what they do. I'm super excited for summer league to see chat. Mm-hmm. Um, We're only like six weeks away from seeing chat play basketball. Yeah. That's, that's, that's going to be amazing. And then it's going to be a really long wait until September or October, excuse me. Um, and hopefully the, uh, the pro-am circuit gets canceled. <laughs> <laughs> Can uh, we talk about the excitement of a potential Asar and Chet Holmgren summer league game? I mean, uh, I would be incapacitated. A like, little too much, a little too much for me. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, you got to, cause yeah, then you could really find out like, okay, is Asar going to be able to like, to what degree is Asar going to be able to like run point in certain situations? Um, yeah. Cause you, we, you could have a situation where they take a SAR and he is both the starting point guard and the backup or sorry, the starting power forward and the backup point guard. Mm-hmm. Um, which is, which I guess you could say the same about Jalen, although I, I would rather him just be a true three. Um, Agreed. Who, who has some ISO scoring responsibilities. That, that's why, that's why I want to power forward so much. Like, yeah, look, if the Thunder end up with with a player like Kulabali, we're all obviously very excited about him, and I think we'd all be happy. Or if they ended up with with a Thompson twin or Grady Dick, all those would be such fun, great outcomes. Um, but I'm ready to see kind of like this final iteration of like starters, like J-Dub at the three, uh, and then who's going to be at the four next to Chet, Chet at the five. Um so that's why I'm probably so high on on Jarris Walker and Taylor Hendricks, or at twelve taking Leonard Miller. Because I mean, maybe it's impatience, but I'm I'm really excited to see kind of the the final destination. Obviously, they're all going to be very young and they're going to improve and develop and all those things. But I kind of want to see what it's going to look like on the floor when the Thunder end up with their starting four, whoever that's going to be, and they're not playing out of position. Is there is there a chance that Grady starts for the Thunder? Like yeah, move, one, or like moving like moving Dort. Like does is Grady good enough at some point in year one to move Dort to the bench? The, I think so. The, I think it's possible. Yeah, I think it's possible. I the worry I would have is the offense would be incredible between SGA, Jada, Giddy. Dick and Chet. I would worry a little bit about the defense. Um, like, you know, if there's if there's a big wing, um, you know, playing Giddy and, and Dick, likely kind of at the three and four defensively. I guess obviously Jada does as well, but um I'd worry about the defense, but man, that the offense might be so good that it doesn't matter. 
I think you'd need to get Jalen to the point where he can, like, you're comfortable with him guarding the other team's best player. Right. Which is a, which is a point that, like, I think he's going to get to um, because he's so smart, motor's high, measure, you know, wingspan is, is what it is. I think he's going to be able to guard the other team's best player a lot. Um, but, yeah, if you're moving door to the bench for, for Grady, I, I think, I mean, because you don't want Shea doing that. So you don't want Grady or Giddy doing that. And it's not going to be Chad unless the other team's best player is a center. So you, it's, it's, you've got to be pretty comfortable with Jalen being, being at that level. Yeah, I think I th- if I they think did move of- in there, it would mean so many things have gone well. Like I agree. It would be a really good outcome. Yeah. Or like be a good sign, I guess. Yes. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. That would be very, very exciting. Like Jalen is maybe an all-star next year in this <laughs> scenario. <laughs> they've ruled out they've ruled out J Dub for summer league, right? I mean I mean yeah, I, I'd say I, so. I would be I don't think officially, but yeah, I don't see any way where J Dub plays plays summer league. That, imagine, imagine if I had told you on draft night last year that that Jalen Williams will like he's like certified not allowed to go to summer league, but Chet will <laughs> yes. be. Yeah. What's, what's <laughs> that would have been a very good. depressing thought, <laughs> no doubt. And also the fact that like here, here's the 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 nicer version of that that thought is that like Josh Giddy was allowed to go to some of them. So yeah. like, Jalen's rookie year was that much better than Josh Giddy's, and Giddy had a good rookie year. He did. He's I mean, he's really Giddey, young, and I, I think they wanted you know he just wanted to play, and he was still so young that. That it made sense. I'll tell you what, Summer League's going to be exciting because obviously Chet will be the biggest thing, but I'm excited to see Usman Jang, you know, a year yeah. in the summer and uh, and then whoever the Thunder end up picking this year. So those three guys, Chet, Jang, and and the first round pick this year, it's it should be a really fun Summer League. And Trey Mann. Hey. going to be interesting watching him for the, the Spurs G League team, yeah. <laughs> Uh, I said it and had to mute myself to, uh, that's, I, I, I wouldn't rule out him playing. Um, he's coming off of a triple double fellas. That was his last game. We, we should, we should mention the Poku injury, uh, that was oh, yeah. announced about an hour before we, before we jumped on um, fracture of the humerus bone, am I? It's an arm. Yeah, he's got an arm. Like I'm, I I googled this in this uh, fracture uh, when they announced it, and the first thing that came up was usually caused by traumas like car accidents. Yeah, it's like usually what, like a steering wheel situation. What were they doing at practice? <laughs> like well, that, he he broke his leg last year, you know, going for a rebound or whatever he was doing. I mean, he's, yeah, you know, it can happen. Yeah, um, tough news for Poku at like a really awful time. It's a big summer for him, and it's just a that's a bummer in a lot of ways. It's good it that he, you know, was in Oklahoma City, you know, working out, I guess. Like, you'd rather him be there than than back home for the offseason. Um, but, yeah, man, like, it's, like, 
we, we've been talking for uh, for a couple hours now, or almost. I'm not sure how relevant this is to the future. <laughs> um, yeah, it's just kind of where we're at with Poku. Like, you know, it's sad. I think we're all rooting for him. It's a good story. We'd love to see him take the leap. He was such a good shooter for the first 20 games last year. It was pretty interesting, but like he's getting passed up. He's about to get passed up. I think in a in a, in a very real way. Well, the roster crunch is coming, and, and you know when when you start going down the down the list, you know you got the the core four and Dort. That's five. You got uh, Joe and Kenrich are going to play off the bench for sure. That's seven. Uh, then you got a first Jang. round pick this year. That's eight. Then you got Jane. That's nine. You've already got nine players right there. Jalen Williams. Yeah, yeah. Jay Will. Jay Will is ten. Uh, Michich. That's eleven. <laughs> All the overbetters cash your tickets two hours before a mention. I cannot believe it. I thought for sure when we were talking about the Dallas pick, um, all these different trade up scenarios, I can't believe you didn't unload with Michich. Um, but yes, it, Brandon, by all means, the floor is yours. Anything about Michich that you're that you'd like to uh present? I do. Okay. I know the whole fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice, you know, fool me seven times, Misha, shame on me. I get that. But I will say if he was ever going to do it, it would be this summer because he did get NBA representation as far as an agent goes, uh, which is big. I mean, that is, that is a big deal. And the Thunder, like if he was possibly going to play with the Thunder, the fact that they're a playing team now, um, and and look, obviously, really competitive. Uh, I think it's still most likely that he would be used as a trade asset. Um, you know, there is rumors that there were like, like five teams interested in trading trading for him last year. I remember it was like the Bulls, the Nuggets. Uh, I can't remember who else, but there's a handful of teams. Look, he's you know the best non prospect player not playing in the NBA right now. Like he, like when by most analyst of international basketball he's older obviously he just turned 29 um but you still got a few years left he'll help somebody um he does have some value how much value i don't know as a trade asset but i'm just throwing it out there i i think that the move to get nba representation as far as an agent makes me ready to be hurt again The what the 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 dialogue that you just heard from Brandon is like like he does that to Wendy's drive-through employees like he does this is <laughs> this is what he does um, it's like ready to roll at all times um, I have a lot of respect for it uh, the I mean low key I mean he does first of all he doesn't exist like he's not a real person um, so I just want to get that out there but like he would fit really well on this Thunder team like he, he would does, he does a lot of he does a lot of things well uh, like as a you know as as a as well as a not actual human uh, can can do I, I do think he does a lot of things that fit on this team he really does he's a great passer which the Thunder love he is a great shooter um, uh, obviously a creator creates for others and he's big for He's a point guard, but he's six, five and he's got some meat to him too. Like he's not a skinny six, five, uh, and he plays physical and he's a winner and he's clutch and all those things. Like he is, 
he is kind of like a hero, uh, you know, for his for his team right now. He's he's won an MVP. He's won two finals, two finals MVPs in Euro League. Um, it l- let's just throw this out. If the bench consisted of Michich, Kenrich, and Joe already, that's a really good makings of a bench. And if Dort eventually goes to the bench, uh, <laughs> that's a pretty pretty wild bench. Well, you can already I mean, throw Jang as like the fourth name with right. that with those bench yes. guys too. Yes, and Jang. Uh, so it could be a lot of fun. Is, is all I'm saying. Like if if he were to come here and be like the Thunder's, you know, they don't have a guy right now that's the point guard off the bench. Now, I think a lot of that they don't necessarily need one like most teams do because they have three legit ball handlers and creators and. SGA, Giddy, and J-Dub, and they can just stagger those guys, which is a really nice thing to have. So it's not essential that you have one, but it'd be nice to have another one to lead the bench unit if they if they wanted to. That'd be a really nice luxury. Yeah, I'm, uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I don't want to say that I'm out, but like, I don't think it's going to happen. <laughs> I'm going with if Ryan, it- we're like... I don't like. Here's the thing. He's. I mean, has he's been on the record as. I mean, he's had, first off, he's had a million opportunities to come to the NBA. I believe either him or his agent has been on the record, or his previous agent has been on the record saying, like, you know, he doesn't want to come to the NBA to sit on the bench. Um, not that he's not willing to come off the bench, but like he doesn't want to come here and collect a check, you know, like a Gabriel Deck did, right? Like he wants to come and play, and right. so you know, which is. Very fair. He's one of the best players in Europe. Like, do you uh, want I to forgot. bring in that those kind of expectations? Like, you know, it, when he would be the fourth guard, you know, like with no upward mobility at all. Like, I don't, I don't know. That's the great fit. I am very interested or intrigued in him as a trade asset. However, right, but I, right. I he's over the thunder. Yeah, and I, and I think that's the most likely scenario. I think I think he's most because of the age. He doesn't fit the timeline, obviously. Uh, I do think he's got a few years where he could help over these next few years. The Thunder come in right away and do a lot of things that the Thunder want, like Ryan said. I think the most likely scenario is as a trade asset. The other thing I forgot to mention, though, is uh, that's different this time than the other times. Not only is it getting you know an NBA agent, uh, but they fired his longtime coach, and you know they won back-to-back finals. This year, I believe they didn't even make the playoffs, and they fired their head coach. So that's it's like a different, you know, thing going on for him right now. I think right now. So if you were going to make the leap to the NBA, I think it will be this summer. It does. Does he have any um, like history of playing? Like, how familiar would he be with Luca? Um, he 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 knows Jokic. Uh, him and Jokic. Him and Jokic play for their international team together, and apparently that's why the Nuggets were interested. Was because Jokic is high on him. Mm. Yeah, he's Serbian. Um, Luca is not Serbian, right? He's Slovenian. Um, yeah, I just mean like the league that they played in. Like, was there any? Uh, let's see. Mitic plays in. Uh, looks like I mean Euro League. I guess they would have played in Euro League around the same time. I'm just thinking about Dallas, the tenth pick. I mean, he would fit in Dallas because you could play. You could play Luca, Mitchich, and uh, and Kyrie all together for sure. 
You could absolutely. I th- I honestly that does make some sense. The rights to Mitch and and twelve uh, for ten that actually is a pretty clean. And then maybe take on like you know Reggie Bullock just to help him out with salary, uh, something like that. Uh, that would actually make a lot of sense. That probably fits right around what I would guess his perceived value would be. It would be higher, obviously, if he wasn't twenty nine. Um, Michich in 2017-18 did play in EuroLeague, but he, which was, I believe, Luca's, um, yeah, it was his last year in EuroLeague as well. Uh, but Michich did not really have a big role yet. He he only played 22 minutes a game, 7.7 points. So he's maybe not necessarily on Luca's radar at that point. Um, but it would be a good well, fit nonetheless. I'm glad, we, I'm glad we were able to bring him up. Um, I was just scanning... Just scanning Tankathon one more time. Three and a half steals a game for Asar. 3.1 steals well, for a man. And, and here comes the well actuallys, but um not nothing. Two and a half no, steals, not. two and a half steals a game for Bilal. Um I'm more impressed with that than the three and than that Asar had in OTE. I and I, I would agree with that. Um I and I especially considering minutes. Like Bilal does not play that many minutes. He's so physical. Like both both with the ball and on defense. Like he is so physical um as a player. And at that age, like yeah. Kudos to him. I'm pumped to watch him wherever he goes. Big fan. And with that, with his frame being six eight supposedly and that seven three wingspan, uh he's still fairly skinny, not really skinny, but he is skinny. You're right. He plays really physically and he can put on a lot of muscle on that frame. Like, Oh he, yeah. He does. I mean, he's, you know, I've seen like comps and obviously I'm not saying he's going to be, but I'm just saying, this is what I've read. Like he, like the upside, the ceiling of him would be like a Mikel Bridges type. Like that's what kind of the archetype that he could be. I could see that. Yeah. yeah. Um, Do you have, you guys have any outlandish comps that you've been working on? I've got one. Huh. Um, no, I want to. I think there. I think Grady Dick is like a version of Michael Porter. I no, think he can just just be six eight, just run around, shoot, like can and and make backdoor cuts from a center working out of the high post. Like I think that's the. I, I think I think he would have a very similar role to MPJ if if he were in Oklahoma City, and I think he'd be really good at it. Yeah, I like that. I mean, that I mean that would be a that would be a great. I mean, if he ends up as like Michael Porter Jr. in that all around game, that would that would be really really nice. Like more than even just if he's like I mean, even if he's only like eighty five percent of MPJ because he's not quite as athletic and he's not quite as um, you know bouncy and not quite as uh, maybe not quite as good of a shot as a shot maker um, at least off the dribble. Like that's still a really valuable player for, for an offense like Oklahoma city to have. Yeah. Um, the, the ringer speaking of, of, uh, comps, the ringers always, um, just such good laughs. Like Jairus Walker shades of Larry Johnson, not a bad outcome. And Carl Landry. Who? Yeah. Carl Landry. Um, you got some strange names attached to like 
top eight, top nine guys. Um, Man, I'm Carl, Carl Lally didn't even play that long. He was playing as late as 2016. I have no memory of this person at all. Played 500 NBA games between 2008 and 2016. Yeah, I mean, I familiar with Carl Landry, just not with like what, how is <laughs> that's like a really really disappointing outcome for Jairus Walker. The the yeah. Gen, the Gen Z Kareem Abdul Jabbar is a great one for Victor. Yeah, I like that. Uh, do they compare? I can't remember. I know that Taylor Hendricks gets Jeremy Grant a lot, which I think is fair. Uh, it actually yeah. makes a lot of sense because Crazy. all the strengths and weaknesses and things like that. Like, and that's what I like. I think Jeremy Grant would be a, a perfect fit uh, on this team. Star Thompson getting Sean Livingston with elite athleticism is sign me up. Would be a phenomenal player. Yeah, pre knee injury. For sure. Anthony Black. All right. On, on here, Anthony Black, it says Lonzo Ball. Um, I'm wondering if he's more like, could he just be like a, you know, a version of Ricky Rubio? Mm-hmm. That's kind of the guy that I've been thinking about is, is Anthony Black. Whitmore's got to be just livid with the Miles Bridges stuff. Like, <laughs> Corey McGetty. <laughs> I mean, catching strays. Uh, no pun intended for for Cam. Like, that's tough. That's tough. Tough scene. Kobe Kobe Bufkin at ten on on that um uh, for uh, KOC. Yeah, and Grady Dick at twelve. That's I, I have tough squaring those even on just like a general big board. Yeah. But hey, shades so of Miller. Grady Dick shades of Reggie Miller. Yeah. Shades of Reggie <laughs> Miller. Ever would you rather have shit? Would you rather have Reggie Miller or a fusion of Tyrese Maxey and Emmanuel Quickly? <laughs> to be to be fair, it's, it's I mean, tough. adding a fusion of Tyrese Maxey and Quickly to this team would be would be nice though. Coming off would, the bench, would just watch. saying, would watch. Yeah. Um, Bobby Clinton shades of Nick Batum. That's what I'm, I'm telling you, he's six ten dude who can shoot. I like it. I remember that too. Uh, Usman, Usman Jane got a lot of Nick Batum last year. Leonard Miller to Paul Millsap. I prefer the Lamar Odom comp for Leonard Miller, but Paul oh. Millsap would Paul Millsap would be good. One of my absolute favorite basketball players, Lamar Odom. He yeah. was, uh, gosh, he would just be fantastic in this era of basketball. He'd be so good. Which is another like, I mean, what a great endorsement of leonard miller if if that's what you think he could be like sign me up what do you guys i mean Derek lively listed seven seven wingspan I what mean, seven seven yeah yeah no he's seven like, foot if, one 230 pounds with a seven seven wingspan he he projects as a great rim protector not just a good one but a great one and i do think that Walker Kessler having the year that he did last year and having the impact that he did last year kind of proves, and even Jalen Duran uh, to a degree kind of proves that there's still a place for, you know, big bodied shot blocking, rim protecting guys who can't shoot from three. But the difference is Derek Lively could 
you know, everybody's seen now that he made the 14 straight corner threes, but you know, that's open gym, you know, that he, his numbers, uh, still weren't great, especially the most telling one from the free throw line, but that was even a small sample size in college. The fact that he's athletic has a seven, seven wingspan projects as a great rim protector and a finisher, a lob threat with the chance at least of becoming an outside shooter. I do think, you know, he's, he's going to be a riser. I'll say that like he was projected most of this draft cycle to be around, you know, 20 or so. I would not be surprised if he ends up in the lottery, whether that's, you know, the Mavs, whether, you know, I, I don't see the thunder doing it, but I, I can see him as a lottery guy for sure. He, every time I watch him, I like the fit, the, I can, I can see the fit next to Chet. And also like when Chet is sitting, like it's just 12 is such an awkward spot to like, is that too high? Like for what they're taking, it seems like they've tried to, they've just tried to find those players in. Yeah. In, in the early second round, like with JRE and with J will, like that's, just doesn't seem like that unless you're, you know, way up at the top, like in a position to get Chet, it just doesn't seem like they view those lottery picks as, um, you know, wanting to use something that valuable on, on a big, yeah. um, the, but the best, uh, ahead, I'm look, sorry. I really like, I really like lively the more I watch him and, and you know, me, I'm a sucker for the, for the uh the workout shooting shooting <laughs> clip the the un the uncut 10 in a row like i'm i will be, i'm the first one to just to just gobble that up so i'm i am the target audience for that the Ch- best pitch Ch- i can make for lively is that you need like if the thunder want to like make the west finals in the next couple of years uh which i I think they do not, not at the expense of, of taking any shortcuts or anything, but I think within two to three years, like that is certainly on the table. Like guess who's going to be there? Nikola Jokic, right? Like you, you're going to need somebody to throw at Nikola Jokic and it's not going to be chat for a couple of reasons. One, just physicality, but more importantly, like you don't want chat in foul trouble. You know, like if you're getting to that point, Chet's probably the second best player on the team. Maybe third, if, if Jalen Williams really explodes, but you don't want chat guarding Jokic that much getting into foul trouble you're going to need another like high high level defensive big who can come in and and get you through a playoff series i could see the argument for uh for for taking a guy like lively at 12 if you know if all the other guys that that you're interested in fall off the board for that reason because i i I don't think it's too early to start planning for like what are we going to do against nikola Jokic when we get to the playoffs because it's it's going to be a problem whether the th- whether whatever point the Thunder get to the point where they're competing, whether it's two years from now or five, six, years, whatever it is, like Jokic is going to be there most likely, and you're going to have to you're going to have to have a plan for him. And lively with that wingspan, the size, the physicality, just the defensive inst- instincts, he seems like a prospect that could be useful in that matchup. I totally agree. Lively would be fine. Maybe the shot is real. If the the shot was real, I mean, that's, you know, if teams were convinced 
that his shot is real. Like they've done the Intel private workouts, you know, looking into his high school, you know, all those things. And they're convinced that, that he can be a shooter. I mean, he's a, he's a top 10 pick easily with all the other things. I mean, that's yeah. Seven, seven wingspan rim protection and shooting for sure. To me, the the shooting at the, at his pro day is an indication of like one, his work ethic um, and two, his touch. Like the fact that he came in, the fact that he can do that in any, in any sort of a setting, even one on zero is, is a good sign for his touch. And the fact that he, you know, responded to whatever pressure comes from a, a pro day where you're trying to, you know, convince teams to take you in the lottery and he was able to knock those down. Like that to me just speaks to like his professionalism, his preparedness. Those are good boxes to check. Um, I, I don't really buy the shooting at all, to be honest. <laughs> like, it, you know, maybe he gets there. We've seen bigs get there. Um, but I mean, certainly didn't see it at Duke. I mean, he took, uh, let's see, what did he take at Duke? He took 13 threes at Duke last year, uh, made two of them. It's a cool 15%. It was a 60%, yes. 60% at the foul line. Um, I can't, I wish I could see um, numbers on like percentage of shots that he took in what area of the court. Um, but that I, I don't, I don't see that data here. Um, but it was not many shots outside the lane. I'll tell you that. Yeah. The three point shooting is such a small sample size. It's hard to gain anything, but the free throw shooting, you know, being so low, you would think if, well, you know, the shot was real, but that, that sample size is really low too, though. Yeah, I was going to say, to be honest, the, the, the free throw sample size is, is not much higher. Um, yeah. 21, he was 21 of 35 on the year, which, you know, why, why do you have a center that's only taking one free throw a game? Right. You could throw it out there. Um, but, I mean, that Duke team had, you know, that, that was a perimeter Duke team. You know, they, Kyle Filipowski uh, did a lot of work on the, on the perimeter. Um, Derek White had Jeremy Rose. Like, they were not, there were not many post-ups there. Duke runs, this isn't Kentucky. Like if this was Kentucky, Derek Lively would have had a lot more, uh, probably a lot more foul shots this year. All right. We've got to wrap this thing up at some point. Um, many more to come, but this was great. We're three weeks out from the draft. We're going to hit um, a mock draft coming up next um, where we will, uh, we'll duke it out as, as uh posing as GMs for these different teams. We might have to call in a trade or two. So uh, be on the lookout for that here in the next uh, couple weeks. And uh, to the, to the boys, thank you so much. This was, uh, this was long overdue. Something we've been looking forward to. So thank you very much. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. We will talk to you soon. This is the daily thunder podcast.